Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. How is everyone doing tonight? Hope you all are doing well on this uh, Wednesday, January 12th, 2022. How is everyone doing tonight? I am your host, Mr. C, as usual, coming to you live on uh, several applications this evening. And uh, we are ready, ripped up, and roaring for another episode of The Sea Report. And uh, it's great to be here with you guys again tonight. And I hope you all are doing most well. Okay, all right. Well, we are about to get into the thick of things, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, I apologize um, for those of you who actually see our schedule for when the shows are to be going alive, uh, we are running behind tonight. Now, I can say most assuredly, technical difficulties, ladies and gentlemen, but uh, I'm absolutely, uh, absolutely thrilled that uh, you guys are with us this evening. And thank you for your continued patience uh, as we... Uh, <laughs> We're running about almost 30 minutes behind, jeez louise, and somehow I still end up at the bottom of the list. Who go figure? Um, okay, so, all right, let's see what we got going. Let me make sure everything is running on our end. Now, uh, oh man, I mean, we were going to start the show off with a little bit of housekeeping tonight anyways. So yeah, as I was saying, uh, technical difficulties, it's like uh, I have to, uh, and I, I absolutely don't mind sharing with you guys some of the uh, inside baseball, some of the behind the scenes stuff that we go through over here at the Sea Report makes for a little bit of interesting drama, if you think about it. But um, yeah, so as I was saying, uh, we had a, you know, just everything is running slow. Every time it seems like I'm going to go live now, I know that's nothing uh, nothing to do with any type of, uh, you know, uh, conspiracy theories out there, right? But uh, I don't know. I got to figure out what's going on with my computer system. I have a feeling it might have something to do with uh, the memory on my, uh, on my uh, laptop here that I run the show off of. I mean, you know, uh, back in the day... It seems like uh, computers had a lot of memory, and uh, you know this one's a bit newer. And I know it's got a buttload of memory, but uh, geez, Louise, ladies and gentlemen, I guess uh, I guess when you have a whole bunch of uh, you know video presentations and live streams and stuff like it, it just eats that stuff up real quick. So that's bound to be something that is going on with that, ladies and gentlemen, at least in that regard. So again, thank you all for your patience, and uh, I'm glad uh, to see some of the uh, uh, old familiar friends coming into uh, some of the chat rooms, see uh, thing, uh, people starting to fill up on um, other uh, platforms that we're running on tonight. Now, we're actually doing something a little different today. Well, actually not so different. 
because uh, you see, uh, we also, uh, in addition to Pilled.net and the Foxhole.app, and uh, actually, it, they had a little bit of a facelift over at that uh, platform. I don't know. I don't know if any of you all out there who are watching over on Trovo or DLive or CloutHub or Twitch have ever heard of the Foxhole.app. I mean, we talk about it uh, all the time here at the Sea Report. Uh, I would consider the Foxhole to be uh, like our like our home base for the show. You know, um, we got on Foxhole before we got on CloutHub. And uh, they do a really awesome job of uh, archiving um, episodes, uh, which I th- which I really believe is kind of the holy grail when you're talking about uh, you know uh, live streamers, podcasters, people who do shows and stuff like that. Uh, you know because uh, you know well, you R- Rumble, YouTube, yeah, they uh, they they did the entire um, uh, archiving as well. Come to find out, CloutHub does the same too. Uh, but, you know, like YouTube, for example, as we all know, um, very much so uh, into the entire censorship game, very much into the uh, impeding on your First Amendment rights game. So, uh, you know, that's that's one one very strong and valid reason why a lot of uh, people who do shows kind of in the same uh, vein as uh, the Sea Report... And of course, by vain, I mean, uh, you know, conservative, patriotic, true news, you know, honest reporting, uh, you know, not one that is uh, that is uh, uh, that adheres to what the uh, what the establishment, the mainstream media, the government wants you to say, you know, um, the whole censorship thing uh, really, really left a bad taste in the mouths of many people who 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 may not even, uh, you know, uh, go off into really hard third rail types of topics, you know, but uh, I mean, in this day and age, ladies and gentlemen, you talk about COVID-19, you talk about the truth in the COVID-19 mRNA gene therapy serums or the vaccines, Uh, you talk about, uh, you know, uh, election integrity or 2020 election fraud. I mean, they will whip you and they will uh, send you packing. And they'll keep all your stuff, too, which really sucks because, you know, uh, I know a lot. uh, I I know from hearing from uh, a lot of uh, live streamers and podcasters in the field uh, that uh, those who'd been doing it for, you know, years uh, lost, you know, archives of work uh, because of those types of shenanigans that the uh, establishment uh, media tend to do. Uh, So, you know... um, Got on Foxhole and it was great for it. Um, and I'm just saying that because you know we mention Foxhole all the time. They have a lot of uh, they have a lot of quality uh, shows and broadcasts over there. If you guys have never heard about the Foxhole uh, I th- I'm thinking we'll probably uh, be live streaming on Rumble soon uh, to kind of broaden our audience. I would say probably between uh, the Foxhole and Clout Hub and Twitch. Um, it's kind of a toss-up between Clout Hub and the Foxhole as per our viewership. Uh, I mean, we're ranking in... Uh, sometimes we get more views over at Clout Hub than we do over at the Foxhole, which is totally fine uh, because we, we have a very quality audience over at the foxhole.app. 
uh, and uh, Pill.net. That's not to say that we don't have a quality audience over at Clout Hub. It's just that uh, I've not been able to engage uh, the uh, the audience at Clout Hub like I have been able to engage the audience over at the Foxhole, you know. And uh, so I'm going to start, you know, as soon as I get myself a third monitor, uh, and I'll probably need to get, you know, a lot more juice for my computer because apparently it is just failing me. Like I had to re I had to uh, restart everything twice. And uh, in that process, um, <laughs> it totally erased all of my notes for tonight. So I will be flying blind tonight. Uh, man, and talk about, you know, investing time into trying to make sure that uh, I stay on track. Right. I've always been good at that. Right. Yeah. Right. But uh, anyhow, as I was saying, um, you know, uh, between Clout Hub and Foxhole, you know, like, uh, uh, yeah, that's about the same. And then on Twitch, you know, of course, we we get uh, we get, uh, you know, a per we get a percentage of uh, the viewership that we have over at Foxhole and at Clout Hub. Now, what I was saying that we're going to be doing something a little bit different tonight, if not, you know, not so different. Um, we're actually going to have an ads running on Twitch tonight. So we'll do a, we will do a hard stop for the ads. Uh, so just keep that in mind, ladies and gentlemen. If you are watching over at Twitch live with us right now, uh, we will have ads running tonight, but fret not, we will do a hard stop on uh, whatever it is that we're talking about or covering when those ads run, so this way you don't miss out on any information. It's going to be kind of, it's for me, it's going to be kind of cool, I guess you could say. It's kind of like, you know, when you watched your uh, your heroes back in the day doing their shows and stuff like that on the networks and they're like oh we got a we got an ad coming up uh so we're gonna we're gonna take a break here yeah i don't know i've never done that before so i know it's it's one of those little like kind of trivial live streaming uh you know experiences but anyhow so uh we'll have that coming up i'll, I'll monitor that to make sure that those who are live streaming on twitch uh don't miss out on any of the information that we'll be sharing tonight and then, of course, uh, for those of you on all the other platforms, well, you guys get to see some of that behind the scenes. Uh, what do we do when we run ads, uh, you know, on, on platforms? So <laughs> that should be interesting. I, I imagine we'll just jump into the chat room and, uh, you know, uh, sit back a spell while those ads run. And uh, that'll help us, you know, garner a little bit of re revenue for the show because uh, we got affiliate over at Twitch. I mean, it's not a big deal. Anyone can do it. I guess if you get X amount of viewers, right, they uh, give you that ability. So uh, just so you guys, since so you have a heads up, we're going to try that out tonight. Uh, I thought I had ads running previously. Um, but, uh, well, uh, I guess they weren't turned on. And then also, um, we had some comment from the Twitch viewers that, uh, the, uh, the comments section was set to, uh, subscribers only. Ooh, what a, uh, what a, uh, what a, a tyrannical thing to do, Mr. C. You have to be a subscriber to voice your opinion. So we turned that off. So now anybody, anybody from Jack to Jane to Joe to Jill... Uh, can uh, can uh, comment over at Twitch at their uh, at their desire or their discretion, uh, whichever you think it might be, the category you falls into. Uh, so yeah, that is basically that, ladies and gentlemen. But yeah, they had a, they had a um, they had a facelift over at the Foxhole. Uh, so and you know, actually, I am totally remiss uh, considering that uh, you know Foxhole is kind of a home base for the show. 
they actually just had their one year anniversary slash birthday. So a happy, happy birthday and a happy belated anniversary uh, to the creators of the Foxhole.app. Thank you for uh, providing a platform uh, for free speech and a patriotic and America-loving community. I tell you, man, like, uh, if you want diversity of, uh, of uh, you know, an audience, and by that I mean if you want to be engaging in trolls and you want to be engaging in uh, people who are naysayers or uh, dissenters or who would otherwise try to, uh, you know, uh, toss you for a loop or, you know, get you off your track, well, you know, you can always depend on, you know, like YouTube, Twitch, for those types of individuals, but uh, uh, communities and platforms that have kind of like-minded, you know, um, ways of thinking, uh, like the Foxhole Pilled, uh, like Clout Hub, for example, you know, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, 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 it's a good community, you know, but if you like to fight them trolls, well, we're leaving the door wide open for you guys, so uh, come as you may. Yeah, Mr. C's been known to, to uh, tangle with trolls every now and then. Uh, let's see what we got going on. Uh, so uh, we have uh, over in the Foxhole Rail and on. Thank you for the 117 gold pill donation and pill by the rabbit hanging out at the moment. How are you guys doing this evening? I hope you all are well. Uh, Rail and on asks the question, uh, how do I add you to the faves tab? See, like I said, they did a, uh, they did a, um, they did a, a little facelift. They actually integrated because, you know, Pilled and, uh, Foxhole are, they're like sister sites, you know, like they're linked to each other, you know, so if we live stream on the Foxhole, um, we live stream simultaneously on Pilled and, uh, it goes back and forth like that, but it seems that they did an integration over there at the website. I gotta say though... Um, uh, and I'm not one to complain. Uh, ha! You, <laughs> I'm not one to complain. No, but uh, I'm not. You know, uh, I, I favor. I favor. You know, innovation and growth and change. So as a growing pain, I got to say, when they had separate, uh, they had separate chat rooms between Pill.net and uh, the Foxhole.app. I preferred the Pilled. Dot net um, uh, chat room compared to the foxhole that one. I mean, it was easier to read for me. And then also, you know, you could do a few extra things there. Plus your links, uh, actually, no, the links uh, were better on foxhole. Anyways, they did some type of integration. So uh, it looks cool. It looks cool. Um, uh, as far as uh, uh, tagging uh, the uh, Mr. C channel as a fave railing on, I think you just hit that star that is uh next to uh the name or i don't know let, let me see let me let me uh let me let me star uh the uh ptp podcast because uh you know pete's cool uh let's see here it says uh well you know i starred it but i don't know if it went or not i think you just hit that star mr railanon and uh, that might work for you if, um, if, uh, what do you call it? Uh, you're wanting to, I mean, he's not in my faves, so, but, uh, you know, I think they also added an FAQ section over at, uh, the website. So it might, it might expand into how you can do that there. Uh, and I'd probably explain it a bit better than I am at the moment. Well, you know, well, Pete, I'm trying to favor, favorite your show. But apparently, um, it's not working. So, 
Uh, you know, growing pains, ladies and gentlemen, growing pains. Uh, these are the things that happen sometimes. But yeah, indeed, happy one year anniversary to the foxhole. Now, I got to say, though, you know, when we're going live, uh, you know, it usually it usually puts the uh, the individual who goes live later at the top of the list. Well, I was 15 minutes behind three of these shows, and yet somehow I'm still at the bottom of the list. So I don't know if I like that, but, you know, it's all good. It don't matter. Uh, I, I'm not really uh, one for uh, uh, counting who's in line first or whatever. But don't worry, guys. Uh, it would be kind of ironic, wouldn't it be, Pilled by the Rabbits, if uh, uh, I end up having a Pfizer ad running through uh, <laughs> my, Twitch, uh, my Twitch program. That wouldn't be, mm. uh, and the people would be like, you see, we told you, Mr. C works for the man. Yeah, uh, but uh, what is that over here? Uh, an, a NASCAR ad with a Let's Go Brandon? That would be kind of fun. Uh, I wouldn't mind that one at all, actually, Mr. Railanon. Good evening, Tam Growl. How are you doing tonight? I hope you're doing well, Miss uh, Angel. Hello, Angel, right? And uh, let's see, Railanon says, if I hit the star on your live tag, it just reloads your stream. I'll check the FAQs. Yeah, you should do that because, you know, uh, whenever you hover over the star, it says uh, favorite uh, receive notifications. So it would seem that would be the way to do it. But uh, yeah, so, uh, uh, you know, and like I said, uh, these, uh, these uh, modifications, oh, you know what? Try this also. And I told you guys we were going to be doing a little bit of uh, maintenance, housekeeping stuff. Um, okay, so also if you open up the screen, like on the foxhole, uh, and you go into the first, uh, the first little um, area there that tells you the about of the... Uh, tells you the about of the, the channel you're watching. There's another little star there. That again, when you hover over it, it tells you favorite slash receive notifications. Now I'm hitting that star, but uh, nothing seems to be. Let's see if uh, let's see if Pete is in my favorites yet. Nope, he sure is not. Well, Pete, I'm trying to get you in my favorites, but it just don't seem to be working. Uh, but I'm sure you know uh, if the FAQs do not show you the way, um, perhaps a uh, a brief and quick email to any of the bosses over at, uh, I call people the bosses. Some people get kind of like, eh, about that. They're like, oh, you see, you are owned. Or, oh, you see, you do, uh, you are beholden to someone. Eh, get over yourselves, people. Okay, so anyhow, so yeah, there's that. Now, let me let me go ahead and open up mine again. I, I'm going to miss the pill.net chat room, honestly. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> Uh, Aurelius Locke uh, noticed right away, I'm freshly shorned. Uh, don't worry, guys, it'll grow back soon. Give me about two weeks and we'll get a, we'll get a strong, uh, you know, mustache and goatee going, just like old times, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> okay, guys, all right. Yeah, I, can you tell I'm stalling a little bit because I'm wondering about these ads running? They're supposed to, the first one's supposed to run 30 minutes into the show. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we still have a little bit more of housekeeping to do. Now, yes, we have some news for tonight. We're not just here talking casually, even though we were about 30 minutes late. Uh, no thanks to modern technology. Uh, but hey, you know, uh, uh, we're, uh, uh, we're good at winging things. We don't, we don't gotta, we don't, we don't stress over the little things. What is it that they used to say? Uh, um, uh, don't, don't sweat the petty things, pet 
the sweaty things, right? Yeah, it's my philosophy, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but yeah, as, as far as housekeeping goes, of course, uh, like we've been talking about all the platforms we're on and it's only for more exposure, you know, uh, because, uh, you know, having uh, the C report on stations like, uh, you know, the Foxhole Pilled and Clout Hub specifically, you know, that is, that is, uh, that is to the boon, that is to, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, not why well, I mean the benefit, you know, I, I think if I were uh, just an audience member of Foxhole or Clout Hub or Pilled, you know, I, I would think I'm benefiting from having a show like the Sea Report or any of the other shows that they feature on their channels uh, as a, you know, a source of encouragement, a source of reminder, a good source to find honest news. Uh, you know, of course, there's some opinion tied into uh, what we do here. Uh, but for the most part, we just try and share the story. And, uh, you know, uh, so like I said, it's, it's, it's a good, it's a good thing for, for the communities, uh, regardless of whose show it is, if it's an America first, you know, restore our Republic, uh, patriotic type of, uh, type of gig. It's, it's good, you know, uh, but for all the other ones, you know, like D live and Twitch and Trovo, you know, we really broadcast on all of those stations for exposure, you know, uh, doing a show like the C report on, you know, venues like Foxhole Pilled, Clout Hub, um, is, is to rally the troops, is, is to, you know, keep, keep those who are seeking the information informed, right? We do an honest job here, I'd like to think, at the C-Report, and uh, I, do, uh, I do my uh, reporting and my analysis as best and as honestly, truthfully, with as much integrity as I can. And, uh, you know, if, if I'm ever wrong on a situation as anyone in the, uh, you know, research journalist, uh, you know, reporter type of, uh, you know, industry should do just as it is with the press, you know, you know, they, they correct their statements. We correct our statements. If we're ever wrong, if our points of view are ever askew, uh, you can guarantee that we will, uh, we will, uh, you know, rectify the matter should, uh, you know, some type of truth come out. We're not, we're not beholden to the ego, and we're not beholden to, uh, you know, trying to uh, look or present a certain type of image. Other than the fact that we're trying to make this look like a professional, you know, uh, news broadcast. Uh, that's the whole, that's the whole wrap on the C-Report, like, as, oppo as opposed to other ways of presenting the information that we do. Uh, but it's, it's for exposure. Uh, that's the only reason why we, uh, we stream on multiple platforms. You know, I... I, I I, I, cause I believe, you know, while keeping, uh, keeping our sword sharpened, you know, and keeping our, uh, keeping our, uh, our artillery and our wep our guns or whatever you want to call it, nice and polished and ready to, ready to go. We still need to, uh, we still need to reach out to the masses out there, ladies and gentlemen, we still need to get the word out to all of those other individuals who uh, might stumble upon it, who might have a question, who might, you know, be curious or who might be waking up. And uh, if we, if I, I shouldn't say we, but if, if I were to keep my, uh, keep my broadcast only on Patriot Networks, while it's great, guys, and, you know, you guys keep me going, I can say that for sure. Y'all encourage me, uh, you know, y'all support the show. Y'all have helped the show grow. Uh, and you, you, when I started this, I didn't know 
where it was going to go, how long it was going to go. I just knew um, I, I tend to talk a lot and I like to share news. So uh, I wanted to do this. And, uh, you know, and I have, uh, as a one man show, got a lot of technical things I have to deal with and I'm still trying to figure out. Uh, but that's part of the game, right? Uh, but we need to we need to continue to uh, buck the tide of censorship. You know, we don't have large overreaching platforms that we can uh, take advantage of anymore, such as, you know, YouTube or uh, Twitter streaming or Instagram live streaming or Facebook live streaming. Uh, we've been shut off of all of those platforms. So we have to diversify our efforts uh, and sometimes that means expanding it. You know, now I know there's other platforms like Odyssey that we could get on. I haven't even explored Odyssey. Um, Rockfin, you know, I, I tried to get onto that, but I guess I guess I wasn't approved. Uh, and then uh, there's some uh, there's a couple of other ones, you know, so we'll probably uh, try and get on Rumble uh, since that seems to be where everyone is going next and uh, that'll be fun. That'll be different. Um, we'll see what, else, what other platforms we can get on. There's a there's two or three others that uh, I have in mind, but they're not at the top of my head right now. You know, maybe even like on Frank's speech. But again, you know, some people kind of get into this. Uh, that is all. Uh, that is all echo chamber process. But like I said. You know, sometimes it's it's good to have a little bit of an echo chamber as long as we don't get that complex and, you know, stay inside uh, or entrap ourselves, I should say, into uh, a specific way of thinking. But I don't really think that audiences of this show are like that. You know, I don't think uh, I don't think we would get stuck inside of that box or, you know, trap ourselves within our own uh, our own philosophies and uh, ways of thinking. No, not at all. Uh, we're very open-minded people. You know, um, that's why we're here. And, you know, uh, they have a whole bunch of different types of shows and broadcastings and points of view, like on Foxhole, like on Clout Hub. You know, so uh, most definitely, I would say, um, I have not seen such a diverse way of thinkers as on like the foxhole, like you go to that community guys and like you got all walks of life. Now, you might not find a gay Hispanic Trump supporter around every corner on the foxhole or on a uh, pilled or even on Clout Hub for that matter. Uh, but you will find, you know, all types of uh, points of view in regards to like uh, religion, spirituality, uh, creativity, uh, you know, you got you got people who are, you know, uh, retired service members uh, all the way down to artists and DJs uh, to teachers. You know, it's it's a whole whole, uh, you know, um, uh, it's a whole like a school, for lack of a better word, of uh, of individuals on a, on a community like that. And like I said, when it comes to Clout Hub, you know, uh, I would like to get to know the community better over there. So as soon as I can get another monitor. And we can get, uh, you know, some, uh, uh, you know, some good viewpoints on the different uh, chat rooms and stuff like that. We'll try and be more engaging out there. So and I know we got a really good uh, viewership over at Clout Hub. So again, uh, you know, if you guys are catching this live over at Clout Hub or if you guys catch a future, uh, you know, um, replay or a restream. Uh, thank you guys for uh, for uh, checking out the C report. Thank you for uh, supporting the show. You know we don't have a whole lot of subscribers over at Clout Hub, but we do have a pretty high rank in viewership, at least for myself. You know, and uh, you know we're small potatoes here at the C report, so it's not like uh, it's not like you know 
Uh, we're like, we don't have thousands of viewers, but I'm like, you know, uh, more than a handful. I'm pretty happy with that. And as long as we're reaching people, as long as we are, uh, you know, um, uh, assisting people uh, in, in growing uh, whatever it is that they're researching or their interests uh, as per America, as per the state of our nation, uh, I am all for it. And of course, I think it's just an added, uh, an added treat, you know, if, uh, you know, I happen to really help or, or talk on a subject that uh, reaches people in a different way or in a deeper way, uh, I should say. So anyhow, uh, aside from that, of course, we are also on our podcast and the podcast is, uh, is doing pretty good as well. Um, and uh, that is just we podcast uh, the live streams. We're not a simulcast in that regard. It'd, it'd be cool if we could get that going. Uh, but that does also cost money. Um, so we uh, upload our shows uh, to the podcast uh, uh, eventually and after the episodes air. Um, so I need to actually work on that. I think we're about two episodes behind on the podcast. Uh, but of course, if, uh, like I like to say, guys, if you don't have the chance to catch us live, or if you're just too busy to have your eyes glued to a screen, yeah, just go over to, uh, anchor.fm slash the C report. And, uh, that is the home base for the, uh, for the podcast side of the show. And uh, I have that on the screen right now. Anchor.fm slash the C report. And, uh, you, you know, we're on most major podcasting platforms, except for iHeartRadio. And uh, you can check, you can check, so you can, you can take the C report anywhere you'd like. You can take it on a jog. You can, uh, you can listen to it while you're preparing dinner. You can listen to it while you're, uh, you know, doodling or sketching or exercising even, uh, you know, wherever you'd like to. Uh, and then of course, also, if you would, uh, like to support, uh, the C report, you can do that. We have this, uh, support button here and, uh, you know, uh, it gives you increments of 99 cents a month, 499 a month, 990 a month, 999 a month, uh, any, any amount, uh, helps, uh, you know, as we're trying to grow the broadcast and the show and what we do here. I think we're almost coming up on a commercial break, ladies and gentlemen. That's what this uh, housekeeping is all about. The Sea Report is 100% listener supported. If you enjoy the broadcasting that we bring to you with the Sea Report and other shows on this podcasting platform, we ask that listeners lend their support, become a monthly donor. When you go to anchor.fm slash the C report slash support or click on the support button over there at the anchor.fm slash the C report website, where you can help sustain future episodes of the C report and other broadcasting on this podcast station. Every bit helps, ladies and gentlemen. And as always, I thank you for your support. So I don't know if the, uh, I don't know if the, uh, I don't know if the advertisement went off or not. Uh, but after this, we won't worry about it. We won't have another one running for about another hour. So I just want to make sure that we, we give the audience over at Twitch that option so that, you know, uh, they don't run away from the platform just because we're running ads. 
and let you guys know that we will stop the show and uh, that way you don't miss out on any vital information while we run those ads. Uh, but as far as us giving your support over at the uh, podcast side of the show, uh, you know, if, uh, if you have uh, subscribed to the Sea Report on the podcast at, at whatever level of, uh, of uh, uh, support that you would like to, uh, we appreciate you greatly. Uh, because, again, uh, you're helping us uh, maintain our functions here. And, uh, you know, uh, if only I could figure out, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> all of the uh, technical aspects that are causing, uh, causing us to have some slowdowns here sometimes, uh, as happened uh, prior to the show today, well, uh, we'll get on that, ladies and gentlemen, I assure you, we will get on that. Uh, and then absolutely, uh, not to, not to be remiss, um, over at, uh, Pilled and at, uh, Foxhole, uh, sending your donations. Uh, they have, they have an internal donation, uh, system over at Foxhole. So thank you guys for your support over there kindly. And, uh, you know, I just got a couple of donations in from, uh, Sean and on. Thank you, sir. Sean and I appreciate you. And then also, uh, and I haven't, I have not thanked either, uh, um, uh, the ladies and the gentlemen who have uh, sent uh, support through our cash app and our PayPal. Uh, so thank you all for that as well. Uh, we get, we get those in every now and then. And uh, I just can't tell you how grateful I am for y'all's generosity and supporting the show and uh, keeping the lights on, so to speak. Um, and, and you know, all that good stuff. So uh, thank you guys again. Okay. Um, so with that said, ladies and gentlemen, um, let's see here. Let's see here before we go on in, before we get into this. Good to see. I don't you know. Uh, -huh. uh, oh no, I'm a Canuck invading your channel. Are you, are you from Canada rail I didn't know that. How interesting. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, Aurelius Loxer, good evening, says, uh, or a Batman handlebar mustache and a Stetson. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Aurelius, I cannot do the handlebar. Uh, the handlebar mustache to me is very much akin to the man bun. And every time I see a man bun, uh, people have to hold me back with the scissors in my hand because I will chop that thing off, sir. But, uh, you know... <laughs> Can't, can't do, can't do the handlebar mustache. First of all, my hair doesn't grow on my face that wild. <laughs> it's not, it's not thick enough uh, to do so. Uh, but yeah, that, that would be funny. <laughs> that would be funny. Uh, and uh, let's see here. Uh, Tam Grell, you have, you have for me, Mr. C. Um, I have indeed, I'm sure, Tam Grell. All right, guys, let's go ahead and jump into it. You guys are not here to listen to me talk about handlebar mustaches and uh, anything else uh, that is kind of uh, distracting from tonight's episode. We have some news to cover with you guys, of course. Uh, today, Tonight's a show in light, actually, and I've probably just uh, uh, talked a whole lot more than I should have, but, you know... I was concerned about these ads running, okay? I just wanted to see how it was going to go, but we had to get this done anyways. Thank you guys for joining us tonight. Thank you for uh, listening to uh, my uh, my little spiels there and the housekeeping that we're doing at the start of the episode tonight. Thank you all again for your support as we get into tonight's show. Uh, we do have a couple of Trump statements to begin the show, uh, per the usual. I already pull them up onto the screen there. You guys can probably guess what the first statement's going to be about just based on that image that we have showing you in uh, before your eyes. 
and uh, we'll, uh, we got some other things to talk about. We're gonna, we're, tonight we're going to do a little bit of updates on some issues, and then of course we got a couple of uh, newer items uh, to uh, to share out with you guys. Um, so let's just jump into it. We've already uh, we've already jabbed on for long enough. Uh, did I say Sean Anon Aurelius? I meant Sean Joe. Sorry about that, Sean Joe. And then did I say Sean Joe uh, Anon? Are you Canadian? Anyways, okay. <laughs> I'm so distracted tonight. Okay, so uh, what we got coming up first from President Trump, ladies and gentlemen, uh, is of course we have uh, his um, we have his uh, rally coming up. His first rally of 2022 happening this Saturday, ladies and gentlemen. Now, if I may say, uh, as some of you all may know, I was I was pretty ill during the holidays at the end of last year just a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, I missed out on Thanksgiving. I missed out on Christmas. It's all good. You know, uh, I will take my returned and restored health as a present uh, for all of that. But, um, well, you know, uh, as a, as a, uh, as a, uh, as a contingency, is a contingency the right word, you know, is uh, to make up for the loss of that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you know, some of my family and friends, we're going to get together this Saturday, you know, for a nice dinner, uh, a get together, a catch up. We missed you on the holidays uh, kind of event. And lo and behold, we have President Trump's rally this Saturday. Now, we have live streamed every Trump rally since, I don't know, the beginning of 2020. You know, I think he started kicking him off again about, uh, you know, spring or so of 2020. You know, we, I mean, it's a great time. We live stream the uh, rally. You know, we, it, I like to call it like, you know, we'll go on the air a little bit early. We'll do kind of like a little pep rally. And, uh, you know, we'll get our, you know, we're amongst friends. We're chatting. We're having a good time. Uh, we get to listen to the words of our president, all that good stuff. So, you know, I had to tell them, I tell my family and friends, well, you know, uh, what, I was like, first of all, I was like, what time do they want to get together? I was like, because, you know, President Trump has a rally at 7 p.m. That is, of course, Arizona time, which means he'll be on here in the state of Texas at 9 p.m. So uh, <laughs> I told them, I'm sorry, guys, I'm not going to be able to uh, attend the little festivities for the family and friends there. The little makeup holiday get together. Um, but, you know, with any luck, they'll be tuning in. Uh, and, uh, I mean, you know, there's no place I would rather be. Honestly, I will be amongst family and friends, uh, you know, as we, uh, listen to the words of our president and, you know, there's uh, so many things going on with this event on Saturday. Um, it's supposed to be held, if I'm not mistaken, in Florence, Arizona. Uh, I got, I actually, we, he actually just published the itinerary for that event. So we'll look at that in just a second. Uh, but, um, uh, as, as far as what he's going to cover now, a lot of people, or I should say some people, uh, will say, oh, you know, he, he always talks about the same things. Every rally's the same, you know, same script, yada, yada, yada. Uh, to which I reply, well, I mean, obviously, if you go to a concert uh, by any of your favorite musicians or bands and say you follow them around the country on their tour, 
Are you going to complain that they always play the same set list of songs and maybe they switch it up like, you know, a few concerts in or they add a different song here and there, whatever, you know, and I mean, hello, I mean, he, he, if he's going to be giving, uh, you know, speeches and rallies and, you know, stuff like that, of course, it's going to sound the same. And then depending on whatever uh, current events surround those rallies well you know we we might get a bit more of information or we get we might get a, a bit more of a colorful uh, speech from the president so very interested to know what he's going to be talking about on saturday um if he's smart he will not talk about the jab uh, i think i think he's savvy to the response that he gets on that and uh, I mean, for for all intents and purposes, you, you got to agree that at least he doesn't get uh, down, discouraged or, you know, his feathers don't get ruffled when he gets the booze and he gets the nays uh, when he starts to talk about the jab. And that's totally understandable. And, and I hope at this point, mid-January, just about 2022, we all understand uh, why it is that President Trump may have to talk about the jab. It is a very sore spot for a lot of patriots out there, and that is totally understandable, ladies and gentlemen, uh, because we'd like to think if, uh, you know, we the people, um, whom a lot of individuals would consider we the blue-collared layman, we the, you, the herd, we the, the goyim, right? If we can understand and if we see what these jabs and what this uh, genuinely manufactured disease is and does, uh, that of course President Trump has to see and of course he has to know. Uh, so why the hell is he pushing the jabs? Now, I don't want to fall into the line of, you know, he's just a pharmaceutical salesman. He's a, uh, you know, he's a uh, someone who goes door to door trying to sell vaccines, right? I, you know, and I fall back, of course, on the executive orders that he placed uh, towards the end of his um, first term uh, that, you know, basically stripped the money out of the pharmaceutical industry. You know, when he was uh, lowering drug cost, it was a uh, most favored nation was the name of the program that he was going to be uh, uh, forcing the pharmaceutical industry to uh, uh, allow America to purchase, uh, you know, um, uh, medication at the rates that are given to the countries that receive the lowest rates, you know. So um, with that said, you know, with that in mind, I, I would like to think that uh, that should be enough evidence that he's not necessarily a uh, salesman for, you know, the pharmaceutical industrial complex. But again, like I said, sore spot for some. Uh, and the other thing, of course, that I fall back on is the fact that uh, he having produced the vaccines in such a rapid warp speed really threw a wrench in the gears of the plans that the globalist elite filth had. Uh, because otherwise we may not have seen a vaccine until like, I don't know, 2025. And by then uh, we would be so caught up in fear, half of the population would have been dead just from fear. 
because we all know fear weakens the immune system. And then, you know, uh, they probably would have had like 30 different variants by 2025. And they probably would have had a real deadly variance. Uh, you know, uh, what did they say was come up now? Like an Ebola, like hemorrhagiatic type of flu or virus, right? They probably would have had all of that mixed together. You know, we probably would have had like, you know, our lungs, uh, you know, turning black and, uh, you know, dropping in our chests. We probably would have had who knows what they would have done to us by 2025 aside uh, from keeping us in these uh, chains of fear that uh, would have propelled us to do whatever they told us to do. Uh, so that was a big wrench, I would like to say. And thank you for throwing that wrench emoji in the uh, chat room over there, Mr. Relanon. Big wrench in the gears of the, uh, of the establishment and the globalist filth. Uh, so yeah, that's another aspect of it whenever I think about it and uh, I try and console myself about why my president is pushing the jabs, you know. Uh, but aside from that, there's also the political game. You know, he has to uh, still, at least optically speaking, while the awakening might be great and while people might be waking up around the world, not just in America, to what all is going on. And uh, trust me, I'm sure you guys have heard the stories about the overreach, the tyranny. Uh, that is happening in places like Australia and, you know, various spots in Europe. I think Italy was the latest one where they had the Gestapo on the streets that were actually uh, checking and arresting and fining people for not having uh, their vaccine cards handy. Uh, you know, and there's other countries where they're uh, going to start taxing those who don't have the vaccine. Uh, pr more proportionately, we're seeing more stories about hospitals, uh, you know, discriminating against those who are not vaccinated. I think one of the, uh, the, I think the horror story of a headline that I had just seen prior to getting on was that the Ronald McDonald House was going to stop uh, assisting giving aid to children with cancer if they were not vaccinated. Now, how cold, how, how, how evil can you get to deny a child the ability to survive simply because they are not vaccinated against one's own fear? That is insane, ladies and gentlemen. And, you know, yesterday we did uh, we did a whole report, a whole show on, you know, human trafficking and child sex trafficking. Like uh, someone in the chat room had said something to the effect of uh, the inhumanity that humanity inflicts on itself is it's it is it is it leaves me speechless and without words. But uh, unfortunately, those are the things that we see these days and uh, you see the strength and the power of fear and what it does to people. They become totally unreasonable, irrational. Um, so it's just it's just an interesting turn of events. But again, guys, uh, we are where we need to be. And, uh, well, you know, hopefully he doesn't talk about the jab on Saturday. What we think he will be talking about, of course, is going to be uh, the stories of election integrity. We saw that one statement that he uh, actually spilled the beans on the ballot trafficking um, scandal that is coming out of Georgia. You know, and I'm sure there's a lot more that he will talk about. Um, you know... There's there's a lot of other, you know, wires out there, so to speak, where there uh, people are speculating about what he will speak about. I uh, I had uh, I had read in uh, some articles or heard on some podcasts, you know, they were uh, actually hoping that, you know, by uh, Saturday, 
by Saturday, you know, he would basically uh, be calling out the deep state and talking about how uh, the Patriots have won and the White Hats who've been in control the entire time, uh, you know, have succeeded and we've had arrests and, you know... uh, how did I get into that stream of of uh, of uh, thought, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, it had to do with that one uh, that one um, uh, patriot uh, patriot uh, podcaster or live streamer that I had mentioned on um, uh, Mr. C in the Dark this past weekend. I think it was uh, an actress, Kristen Weldon, or something like that. Yeah, and, and so you know, I had to go and research this person. Uh, come to find out that she was like tied to this entire other universe of Patriot live streamers and stuff like that. But uh, a lot of those individuals seem to, um, from what I've seen so far, I haven't, I really haven't researched a lot of these people. Uh, uh, All of them are kind of like in that dates crowd, you know, where they talk about, Oh, you know, the 10 days of darkness are going to be on January 1st. And uh, now it's the 10 days of darkness are going to be on January uh, 7th. And uh, you know, here we are on the 12th and we still haven't had any type of media blackouts. So I don't know. I, I would have to do more, more research into that. But, you know, we avoid dates, of course, uh, because uh, we don't want to get caught up. We don't know the date or the hour, no matter how good our resources are. Of course, I don't have any insider resources. I don't want any insider resources, guys, because then I, you know, I I stand to face, uh, you know, the higher powers, as it were. Uh, I'd rather just read the headlines and uh, read the news and, you know, do a little bit of analysis and share the stories I think are, uh, you know, interesting or of interest. So anyways, guys, we'll see what we'll see what he talks about on Saturday. Uh, Let's see what the itinerary says as far as who will be speaking. Uh, And uh, we'll look at that in brief. It says here, uh, Save America announces program speakers for Florence, Arizona rally. Uh, President Donald J. Trump, 45th president of the United States of America, will be joined by endorsed candidates, members of the Arizona congressional delegation and other special guests on Saturday, January 15th, 2022 in Florence, Arizona. The Save America rally is a continuation of President Trump's unprecedented effort to advance the MAGA agenda by energizing voters and highlighting America first candidates and causes. So uh, President Trump is set to speak at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time on January 15th. Oh, that's Mountain Time. He might be on at 8 p.m. Central Time. Uh, So that's when he's going to deliver his remarks. Of course, it's going to be at the Canyon Moon Ranch in Florence, Arizona. Special guest speakers include Carrie Lake, uh, endorsed uh, candidate for the governor of Arizona. So that's exciting. So uh, you will probably uh, will probably actually be watching a lot of these speeches, guys, as we live stream it and have our watch party over here at Mr. CTV and the Mr. C channel. Join us, why don't you guys? If you're not doing anything on Saturday night and you want to, you want to uh, be part of the fun, uh, we'll definitely be live streaming that here on our channels. We'll also have Mark Fincham um, uh, speaking as well. He's also endorsed by President Trump. We got uh, Paul Gosar, representative. Uh, these are Arizona representatives. He'll be speaking. Andy Biggs will be speaking. Uh, Representative Debbie Lesko will be speaking. Is that uh, Debbie Lesko Brandon? Uh, Another uh, representative of the state of Arizona, Dr. Kelly Ward, chairwoman of the Republican Party. Dr. Alveda King. Oh, that's excellent. Uh, She's a member of the advisory board for President Trump. Uh, Boris Efstein, 
not to be confused with Epstein, uh, will be speaking as well. He's a strategic advisor and advisory board member for uh, President Trump 2020. And Mr. My Pillow himself, Mike Lindell, will also be speaking. You know, uh, if there's anything we could learn from Mr. Lindell is the whole dates thing, right? Because uh, Mike was one of those guys that was also always throwing out dates of interest uh, for, uh, you know, uh, when things were supposed to happen, you know. But uh, yeah, should be fun. Uh, so, uh, yeah, President Trump set to speak at 7 p.m. 4.30 is showtime. I mean, there's a lot of speakers here that I would love to hear. So uh, we might uh, we might be listening to some of the uh, some of the speakers on this day. I don't know what time we'll be live just yet, uh, but we will be live on Saturday for the President Trump rally. Always a fun time, ladies and gentlemen. Always a fun time. Make sure you bring your snacks if you join us, because well, you don't want to be at a rally without snacks, ladies and gentlemen. And that is just the way it goes. Okay, so uh, what we got next here, ladies and gentlemen, is uh, Matthew DePerno. Matthew DePerno, ladies and gentlemen. If you don't know who Matthew DePerno is, well, you should. Uh, he's actually uh, he's actually one of my heroes. You know, um, we follow at the C report, uh, election integrity, election fraud stories rather closely. Uh, I'd like to think it's, it's one of our strong suits, uh, in our reporting and sharing of information, um, at the C report. Uh, you know, we've been through all, a lot, all of the cases just about, you know, and Matthew DiPerno, uh, and all of, all of the people that come out of these election integrity stories and the uncovering of election fraud. These are my heroes, ladies and gentlemen. These are my heroes because, again, uh, you know, we cannot move forward with any, any divisive issue, with any side issue, with any personal issue in this country if we don't have protected, secure, and integritous elections. You know, we can't. We can't. You know, even, even, a topic like abortion, dare I say, needs to take a second seat or a back seat to the matter of election integrity. Okay, we cannot save the babies if we don't have secure elections. You know, we cannot stop, uh, you know, human trafficking if we don't have secure elections. We, we cannot anything ladies and gentlemen, if we don't have secure elections, uh, as, as the saying goes, uh, you see what happens to a country when you have, uh, you, when you have a, uh, a, a falsely elected president, you know, the country turns to crap, you know, uh, everything goes out the window. We become America second, America last, um, and that's just not just just not what we uh, signed up for, you know. So uh, these are my heroes. Now Matthew DePerno, he was specifically involved with uh, the cases in Michigan. He he is the constitutional lawyer that was representing in uh, Antrim County specifically. Now, Antrim County, one of the oldest election integrity stories. Uh, you don't hear much about it anymore because at the end of the day, the judge dismissed the uh, case outright without even reviewing any of the evidence, okay? And he did not review it on a technicality 
totally just copped out on all the people of Michigan and the United States. But this man has never stopped. I mean, uh, as far as we know, that case is still in appeals, ladies and gentlemen. But I have a feeling, not that I've, I've read or heard anything specifically and, you know, uh, hardcore about it, that he's been involved in a lot more than just the Antrim County case. And, uh, you know, th- there's been word about that, you know, uh, beca- uh, because I believe he's part of a team of uh, people who are trying to secure our elections in America, a bigger team, uh, one that we we don't know all of the players in yet, you know, but it, it's out there. So I've been told uh, who are taking the fight, like, for example, he not just, you know, fighting in Michigan, but in other states as well and in other cases. Uh, but to the benefit of Michiganders, Um, Matt DiPerno is running for attorney general in the state of Michigan, okay? This is, again, where we're talking about having America First candidates, having candidates who who have integrity, who want to do um, what the people ask or request, and who want to follow the Constitution, and that is exactly what this man is, a constitutional lawyer, okay? Uh, you know, it can be said that there are far too many lawyers in, uh, in D.C. and in Congress, but if they're a constitutional lawyer, well, I'm willing to make an exception. Although it is true we need to get all of these lawyers out of the House, so to speak. Uh, but uh, Matthew DiPerno has secured his second President Trump endorsement, Uh, President Trump saying in his statement, Matt DiPerno running for attorney general in the great state of Michigan is doing a great job. He has energized the Republican base against the rhinos and crooked Democrats, especially as it pertains to election integrity. I have fully endorsed Matt because of his past accomplishments as a warrior lawyer. He is exactly what Michigan needs. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen. So that's exciting. I'm very excited about the ticket that's coming up in Michigan. I would love nothing more than to see some of those treasonous snakes uh, thrown out of office, primaried or otherwise. You know, know, like Dana Nacelle, she's got to go. Wretched Gretchen Whitmer, she's got to go. Jocelyn Benson, she's got to go, you know. And of course, you know, we have, uh, we have um, uh, Christina Caramo, who will be running for Secretary of State in Michigan. Very exciting. Uh, Dana Nassell, the current AG of, um, well, Michigan, uh, you know, she's part of the Weird Sisters trio, you know, over, she's part of the Wretched crew. Wretched Gretchen Whitmer, Wretched Dana Nassell, and Wretched Jocelyn Benson. Uh, so, you know, I have every bit of faith that Matthew DiPerno will uh, succeed uh, you know, barring that there is still not any type of election fraud occurring. Um, but we'll see how that goes. Uh, last I heard, for example, uh, Wretched Gretchen is still leading the pack, even over the GOP. Uh, but uh, hopefully that won't last you. I don't even know uh, of a uh, candidate running for governor that we could really say, hey, this is an America First candidate in Michigan for governor, but they need to get wretched Gretchen Whitmer out of office if it is the last thing that they do. So uh, cheers to Mr. DiPerno. Let's see here. Uh, what do we got from uh, the audience? I would rather he be indifferent about, oh, we're talking about the jabs there. Ebola-like hemorrhagic 
flu in China. Yeah, no bueno. Okay, so, but there's, there's more stories here with Mr. DiPerno. Uh, for example, uh, Matthew DiPerno, again, he's running for state AG in um, Michigan, but he also has a competitor uh, who happens to also be GOP, also a Republican, also a conservative, uh, let's not split the ticket, guys. Well, uh, you know, the name of his competitor in that regard, his name is Tom Leonard, okay? Uh, near as I can tell, Mr. Leonard might happen to be a member of uh, the Rhino Party, okay? I haven't done a whole lot of research into Leonard, but uh, there is an interesting turn of events that has come about in regards to this race for attorney general in Michigan between Matthew DiPerno and Tom Leonard as they try to uh, dethrone uh, Dana Nacelle over there. Now, it appears that um, Tom Leonard, again, a member of the GOP in Michigan, uh, he's accepted um, donations uh, from someone also uh, in the GOP that uh, has come under question um, and who, uh, well, uh, appears to be in a lot of trouble ladies and gentlemen, and that would be uh, Michigan House Speaker Lee Chatfield, uh, who is currently under investigation for sexual assault charges. Uh, so with that in mind, uh, well, you know, DiPerno went ahead and uh, called him to the table and uh, told Tom Leonard that he needed to return those donations or he needed to rescind his bid as candidate for attorney general. So, uh, you know, already pulling out the teeth there, Mr. DiPerno. Uh, here's a letter uh, from the desk of Matt DiPerno regarding this issue. Now it says here, DiPerno calls on Leonard to be held accountable for donations from Lee Chatfield. Uh, today, Michigan Attorney General candidate Matt DiPerno calls on Tom Leonard to return the $72,500 donated by former Michigan House Speaker Lee Chatfield, who is under investigation for sexual assault against a minor or withdraw from the Michigan Attorney General race and be held accountable for his donations of $62,500 to Lee Chatfield. So apparently Tom Leonard donated to Chatfield. The Office of Attorney General is the highest ranking law office enforcement, enforcement office in the state. It is of the utmost importance that the future attorney general is not tied to one of the most heinous crimes an individual can commit against an innocent child. It is critical that morals take precedent over political contributions made to candidates. As someone who has practiced law for over 25 years, Matt understands the significance in maintaining an unbiased and uninfluenced conscience. The attorney general, as the chief law officer in the state, has the responsibility to investigate and charge all appropriate crimes related to this incident, including, but not limited to, misconduct in office. Based on his close ties and involvement with Lee Chatfield, Tom Leonard is presently disqualified from fulfilling his sought-after political duty and would otherwise need to appoint an independent prosecutor, costing taxpayers millions of dollars." How many other lawmakers, in addition to former House Speaker Tom Leonard and former State Senator Gretchen Whitmer, other, otherwise known as Wretched Gretchen Whitmer, the uh, governor of Michigan, have turned a blind eye during this time? 
For these reasons, Matt DiPerno calls on Tom Leonard to rescind the contributions or withdraw from the attorney general race all together. Go get him, Matt. You go get that sicko. All right. Well, I mean, it is allegations. But uh, if you guys want the juice on the story, uh, the man on the screen, that is Tom Leonard. I don't know, guys. He looks kind of sketch to me uh, here. Woo! <laughs> Tom Leonard, guys. So this guy donated 62.5K to Lee Chatfield. And Lee Chatfield donated 72.5 to his political campaign. So yeah, I don't know, something about his eyes. But uh, let's see what the skin... Now, this guy here, this is Lee Chatfield, guys, okay? <laughs> Lee Chatfield, this is the man who is accused of sexual assault on a minor. And yes, we're going to get into that story here. We're not going to leave you guys hanging. So uh, Lee Chatfield there. Do you, do you guys want a close-up of this, uh, this snake also? Well, there he is. Okay, not too much. Uh, let's go and see what, what, what juice we got on this story. Uh, from the Michigan Advance, uh, headline reads, Details surface of former speaker Chatfield's alleged sexual abuse of his sister-in-law. Ladies and gentlemen, Dems say house under GOP control is saturated with sexism. Oh, well, you know, that's something we could expect from any dirty old politician, right? Uh, but Dems... Dems, let's not uh, project too hard. Let's let's not forget to take a look in the mirror. Uh, we know that uh, these spoils come from both sides of the aisle, not just one specific. Uh, a lot of them are guilty of a lot of these types of things. But let's see what the article has to say. Uh, the person, former House Speaker Lee Chatfield, is accused of sexually assaulting for more than a decade, beginning when she was a child is his sister-in-law. The Michigan State Police uh, is investigating the complaint, which was first filed with the Lansing Police Department on December 24th, 2021. Rebecca Chatfield, now 26, said the assault began when she was a student at Northern Michigan Christian Academy in Burt Lake, where Lee Chatfield was working at the time, according to reporting by Bridge, Michigan. She's married to Lee Chatfield's brother, Aaron Chatfield, who has supported her in the allegations. Jamie White, uh, Rebecca Chatfield's attorney, told the advance on Friday the assaults began when she was 14 or 15 years old and continued until about July of 2021. That is insane. These, al these are allegations that Lee Chatfield used his position of power and influence while in the church and school and had an ongoing sexual relationship with his young, with this young teenager girl that lasted beyond her teenage years and after Chatfield's brother married her, said White, an Okomos-based attorney who represented dozens of women in the sexual assault civil suits against Larry Nassar, the former uh, team doctor for USA Gymnast Gymnastics and a Michigan State University physician, who's now serving a 40 to 175 year prison sentence after more than 150 girls and women reported that he sexually abused them. White said his client has the support of a couple different family members, including people related to Mr. Chatfield, who decided they can't look the other way with this. 
A woman who answered the phone at Northern Michigan Christian Academy Monday said the school just wants to say that all the criminal allegations are false. She did not identify herself and would not provide further comment on the allegations. Lee Chatfield's attorney, Mary Chartier of Okemos, um, issued a statement Friday denying the allegations. Mr. Chatfield is innocent of the false rape claims made against him, uh, Chartier said, adding that Lee Chatfield's sexual relationship with Rebecca Chatfield was a consensual affair. I'm sorry, ma'am, but even at the age of 16, that is not consensual. Lee Chatfield was a teacher, coach, and athletic director at the school before being taking, uh, before being taking office uh, in 2014, he is married with five children. The age of consent in Michigan is 16. Oh my goodness. That is crazy. Okay, well, I'm, I was not aware of that. The age of consent in Michigan is 16, but it rises to 18 when the perpetrator is an educator at the school. Well, good. Uh, Lee Chatfield's father, the Reverend Stanley Rusty Chatfield III, who serves as pastor of Northern Michigan Baptist Bible Church and as the superintendent and a history teacher at the academy attached to the church also denied the allegations Monday and would not provide further comment to the advance. Chatfield accused of abusing power in Lansing Church. Rebecca Chatfield told Bridge, Michigan that when she first met Lee Chatfield, she was going through a traumatic and vulnerable time in her life. Basil Baz uh, Chivigian, an attorney with Deland, Florida-based uh, law firm Baz Law, who represents victims of sexual abuse in evangelical environments, told the advance that church leaders who sexually abuse young members of the church prey on vulnerable victims. So many of these offenders, especially in youth groups and teachers, know how to exploit the pow that power in a way that gains the trust of the victim. The lawyer said, the purpose of that relationship on the offender side is not to be a positive mentor and helper to that young person, but it's to grow that to the point where they can then begin engaging in sexual acts. There's no such thing as a teacher having an affair with his or her students. It's abusive conduct. It is criminal conduct. Current House Speaker Jason Wentworth has ordered all House members and staff to retain any documents that may be of interest to the pending investigation, including emails, memos, calendars, and voicemails. The Capitol was the site of one alleged uh, sexual assault, according to Rebecca Chatfield. Lee Chatfield pressured Rebecca Chatfield into sex in his Capitol office while her husband went out to grab pizzas according to reporting from Bridge, Michigan. You just can't trust some people, right, to leave him alone? Aaron Chatfield told Bridge he spent some time working as Lee Chatfield's unofficial driver and would often drive him to strip clubs or to meet with women, including a former staffer. Aaron Chatfield said Lee Chatfield would go on frequent trips and ask for rides across the state to Detroit and Birmingham. Stu Sandler, a longtime GOP operative and co-founder of Grand, Grand River Strategies, confirmed to Bridge that Aaron Chatfield was assigned to the House Republican campaign and worked for him in 2019 and 2020. Sandler did not return a call to the advance on Monday. White said he expects the case against Chatfield to grow extensively. 
There are murmurings there may be federal implications based on interstate travel, White said. I think you'll hear other allegations involving financial improprieties when he was speaker, White continued. We're going to hear a really extraordinary level of behavior while he was speaker of the House as it pertains to his movement through the community. In June 2019, the advance reporter encountered Lee Chatfield and his chief of staff, Rob Menard, on a weekend in Washington, D.C., According to his office, the Republican was visiting D.C. for several meetings around town, including with the White House, though spokesperson Gideon DeSandro declined to elaborate on the nature of those meetings. At 30 years old, Lee Chatfield became Michigan's youngest ever House Speaker when he was elected to lead the lower chamber in 2018. He served in that position until he was term limited in 2020. Earlier that year, Lee Chatfield brought a loaded, unregistered gun to a Pelston airport. He was penalized for a total of $2,210, but a local prosecutor declined to criminally charge him. In 2019, Lee Chatfield directed State Representative Kara Hope to remove a sign on her office door stating that it was a gun-free space on open carry day, characterizing the sign as discriminatory against Michiganders' constitutional rights. Hope told the advance on Monday that the 2019 incident was just one small example of the former speaker and GOP-led state legislature as a whole having a male authority culture. Okay, Mrs. Hope, I don't know if I'm going to uh, settle in with this uh, toxic masculinity claim of yours, but it goes on to say, Hope says Lee Chatfield was known as a kind of partier, but she was not aware of any details or allegations beyond that. You can kind of tell that they're used to being the boss and having women uh, not question them, Hope said. There's an air of immaturity and it's definitely tinged with sexism. More than tinged, dyed with sexism. Uh, State Representative Julie Brixey said that Lansing is embroiled in a sexist culture and it seeps into the workplace in the capital. Something echoed about uh, something echoed by many of her colleagues, as the advance had previously reported. Brixie said she was uh, she has noticed it in the way Republican colleagues look at young female Democrat representatives when they're giving floor speeches. Uh, you recognize things as you mature. You recognize things that you've experienced in the past. It's somehow easier to see it happening to someone else than sometimes it is to see it happening to you when you're experiencing it firsthand. And that was something that I really didn't like about our sessions on the House floor. It's that culture that seems to be acceptable. And uh, considering the nature of the case, I won't uh, differentiate the women between Republicans and Democrats in the story, but all Democrats complaining in this case. So there you have it. There's some detail on what's going on with Lee Chatfield in case you guys hadn't heard the story. Uh, that's, uh, that's pretty sad. And, uh, and quite disgusting uh, that uh, he was an abuser of that type. Um, and uh, man, can you, I can't even imagine uh, the sister-in-law and what she must be going through. I mean, being forced to, uh, being forced to um, uh, dishonor her marriage like that. I mean, she wasn't dishonoring it. You know what I mean? But you know what I mean, guys, like forced infidelity. I mean, can you just, just the type of, of mental abuse and emotional abuse that goes along with that, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, now in my notes that were erased prior to the start of the show, uh, it was also noted 
um, that uh, the uh, House has decided, the Michigan uh, you know, legislature, they have decided not to do an, insa- an internal investigation into Lee Chatfield. So there's going to be no congressional investigation in Michigan, no any type of no committee investigation, nothing. They went ahead and uh, handed that over to uh, the uh, police authorities, the state police there. So the police are going to be handling an investigation into Lee Chatfield, but uh, uh, Michigan House legislators themselves will not be opening an investigation into these allegations. Uh, quite sad, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you for uh, the donations, uh, gifting the shades. Skeeter Burke, appreciate that. She says, you rock. Thank you much. Hey, 123SKG, how are you doing? Thank you for the cookie. Railanon, thank you so much for the cookie. Uh, I'm glad you uh, guys are in the audience tonight, and I hope you enjoy the show. Um, let's see what we got here now. Uh, pictured on the screen, ladies and gentlemen, of course, is, uh, uh, well, it's a, it's a gallows. And a Trump sign in the Capitol. What could this be all about, right, ladies and gentlemen? Well, um, it appears that there is this narrative that's going around, ladies and gentlemen, about, uh, you know, uh, the Capitol false flag riots that occurred, about the insurrectionists, about the uh, QAnon conspiracy theorists, about the MAGA Trump supporters, about the America First Trump supporters, about uh, conservative, Republican, patriotic, anyone who's, uh, you know, to the right of center that seems to be broiling up in the mainstream news. And all of this really is hinging around the uh, January 6th uh, unselect committee investigation, you know, this this sham investigation that they're doing, uh, which really seems like it's geared just to avoid any type of discussion about election fraud in 2020 and to further demonize anyone who is uh, anyone who is um, a Trump supporter or anyone who would question the authority and the vision and the reality tunnel of the Democrats, the progressives, the communist sympathizers in Washington, D.C. So they're planning for a revolution, apparently. Uh, There's a lot of word coming up through the chatting, uh, chatting chatters, the talking heads, uh, that, uh, you know, uh, there could be a coup attempt in 2024. That's the first thing that they're putting out there. Now, you guys see how they keep on setting up the stories, right? They keep on setting up the scenarios, the narratives that they want to push and that they later uh, they later fuel by uh, placing uh, circumstances, situations, individuals uh, to act on these narratives. And uh, you got where I'm going with this, Mr. Railanon, over there in the chat room. Uh, so what, what, let's let's look at some examples of what we're seeing as we move further into, uh, you know, uh, the primary season, and then into 2024. I mean, we're we're what in, in midterms, right? Almost so. Uh, this this story is going to advance as we go along. In fact, this story is probably going to go even further the more election fraud is exposed, uncovered, discovered, found out. You know, uh, like I said, the entire situation in Georgia with the ballot trafficking a scandal, uh, that's going to put a big halt on the efforts to cover up election fraud in 2020, guys, because it's so in your face. They have a whistleblower who admits to uh, to actually trafficking ballots 
uh, uh, through all of these drop-off boxes in several counties receiving $45,000. And he was one of over 240 individuals who participated in this activity, okay? Big time, guys. Like, they have got to stifle, stymie any information about um, 2020 election fraud and uh, calling for some type of uh, an insurrection or a revolution or a civil war is exactly the way that they want to go, guys, because uh, they can set this up now. They don't need Antifa anymore to pull this off, guys. They don't need BLM anymore. Now, of course, through their propaganda and, you know, through their uh, internet interactive activity, uh, they were able to spur on you know, factions like Antifa and Black Lives Matter, uh, they were able to uh, provoke them into going out into the streets and rioting in the name of social justice, in the name of civil rights, in the name of whatever it is that they're trying to, uh, you know, uh, uh, pull their strings on. But they don't need them anymore, guys. Because after all, you know, Joe Biden uh, brought into this country, like, Thousands and thousands of, uh, you know, uh, adult age. Uh, um, we don't know who they are. They came from Afghanistan and they're coming from across the border. Uh, so you want to talk about uh, um, migration patterns of uh, insurrectionists and infiltrators? Well, you know, we have a whole new uh, voting block. What, like two million unregistered illegal aliens? And I'm going to call them what they are. They are here. They are illegal humans, according to the law of the land. Right. And we are a constitutional republic. The rule of law is key here in this country, at least on paper. It is. They haven't quite destroyed all of that yet. But ladies and gentlemen, on top of having an entire brand new voting block for the Democrats to exploit, we have possible terrorists in our midst we have possible sleeper cells in our midst and they came from across the border and they came from Afghanistan under the cover of what? Of uh, human rights and uh, what do you call it? Uh, asylum seeking, okay? Uh, under the cover of wanting to have a better life, right? Well, if you want to have a better life in this country, I say you respect the rules and the laws that made this country great to begin with. But they don't do that. They don't think that far ahead. They don't think that deeply. They don't have any kind of consideration for the new home that they're going into, you know, uh, supposedly to have a better life. Uh, but I think that is something that a lot of us have probably pondered, thought of, or conceived in our own minds. Is it possible that all of these refugees, all of these asylum seekers who came into our country, particularly from Afghanistan, how many of them are actually, uh, you know, sleeper cells for terrorist groups? You know, and, and have we seen this type of activity in other places? Well, indeed we have, ladies and gentlemen, and we'll get into that in just a minute. Let's talk about America first. All right. So we have an article here. Now, this one comes from the Huffington Post. Try not to fall off your seat. I know it is the Huffington Post. We don't respect that uh, rag around in these parts, but uh, you, you can get some interesting information, ladies and gentlemen, sometimes from these uh, dirt rags. Now, the headline on this article reads, Generals warn of divided military and possible civil war 
in next United States coup attempt. So they're already planning for there to be a coup. They are already planting the narrative seeds that there will be a coup in 2024. And why do you think that is, guys? It's because they know that they are not going to win in 2024. And they're trying to get ahead of it. Now, if they're lucky, they will still have their Mockingbird fake news, lame stream, shame stream, legacy media to assist them in the uh, in the brainwashing uh, of the people if they're lucky. And if uh, Providence is on our side, the Mockingbird media will be gone by then. But... Let's look at this narrative they're trying to force us to believe. And these are generals, guys. So yes, absolutely, our military is compromised, even if they are retired or former generals. Uh, The article says, three retired U.S. generals. What a surprise. It's a retired general, right? Uh, Three retired U.S. generals warned in a chilling column Friday that another coup attempt in America in 2024 could divide the military and plunge an unprepared nation into civil war. With the country still as divided as ever, we must take steps to prepare for the worst, wrote former Army Major General Paul Eaton, former Brigadier General Stephen Anderson, and former Army Major General Antonio Taguba. As the nation nears the first anniversary of the Capitol riot, and this uh, article comes from uh, December 18th, 2021, the generals are increasingly concerned about the aftermath of the 2024 presidential election and the potential for lethal chaos inside our military, which would put all Americans at severe risk, they wrote in the Washington Post. Now, this also makes me think of something else, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, This makes me think about how the military is already divided. You know, and uh, if indeed things are happening behind the scenes, as uh, some of us would seem to believe, think, and hope and wish and have faith in, uh, you have that wing of the military that is towing the line and moving forward with restoring this republic uh, by any means necessary. And then you have those who are bought out, sold out, controlled or compromised by the globalist elitist filth and the deep staters who are running the show in this nation, which means uh, perhaps, you know, Trump wins, right? Or, or whomever that will represent Americans uh, as they should. And uh, they're expecting perhaps the, uh, the good guy, the uh, patriot, the patriot military to, uh, you know, try and apprehend or try and defeat or take over or, you know, uh, for a lack of a better word, you know, uh, um, um, uh, challenge uh, the deep state military. I mean, because uh, we know that the military is divided, guys. I mean, the uh, the the 10th, uh, 10th uh, Mountain Brigade or whatever it's called, you know, those guys, we did we did a whole show, well, not a whole show. We did a portion of a show on those guys and and their wokeness and who controls them, of course. And that would happen to be our current Secretary of Defense, one uh, uh, um, uh, Austin, uh, Secretary of Defense, uh, oh, I call him Darth Austin, Lloyd Austin. Uh, but anyhow, so that's just a scenario that pops into my head right off the top, you know, uh, you know first thought, right thought, at least in my opinion. Uh, the article continues, in short, we are chilled to our bones at the thought of a coup succeeding next time, they added. The next time a coup did succeed. What is he talking about? Anyways, the next time could be far more cataclysmic 
If members of the military throw in with those who want to overthrow the government, the generals warned, without constant maintenance, the potential for a military breakdown mirroring societal or political breakdown is very real, the trio noted. A disturbing number of veterans and even active duty military members took part in the attack on the Capitol. The potential for a total breakdown on the chain of command along partisan lines is significant, should another insurrection occur, they added, in a contested election with loyalties split, some might follow orders from the rightful commander-in-chief, while other rogue units might follow the Trumpian loser. And you see, they already define it. Like, they already define who the loser is. So they're already planting the seeds of their audience that Trump is going to lose and anything else would be a coup. So very, very, very crazy. Very interesting here. Uh, it is not outlandish to say a military breakdown could lead to civil war, the generals warned. And then real quick, uh, we got a comment over in Twitch from uh, Pierre Mace, uh, who says, Kazakhstan is an obvious coup made by the Biden gang. Well, thank you, Mr. Pierre Mace. You are rather intuitive. We will be doing some updates from Kazakhstan a little, little later on in the show. So make sure you stick around for that, because that is exactly the stream of thought that I am in in regards to what happened in Kazakhstan. Now, I've been saying it since we did our uh, episode on Kazakhstan, uh, but it seems like the evidence uh, is coming out, at least, uh, from what uh, I will show you guys tonight. Uh, so uh, back to this article. Thank you for the comment, Pierre Mays. Appreciate that uh, insight you have there. Uh, the lack of military preparedness for the aftermath of the 2020 election was striking and worrying. Uh, Trump's acting Defense Secretary Christopher Miller testified that he deliberately withheld military protection of the Capitol before January 6th, the generals noted. Of course, you know, they, they failed to mention his reasoning for why he withheld military protection. And some of that also had to do with uh, the optics of having the military there and what that could look like. Uh, they emphasize that that can't happen again. Military leaders can't wait for elected officials to take the adequate actions to prepare for the next time. Not a single leader who, ins uh, who inspired the last, the last attempt has even been held to account, the generals noted. The Pentagon must act now to reinforce... Uh, reinforce unity of command and order an immediate civics review for all members, uniform and civilian on the constitution and electoral integrity, the generals urged. And in particular, uh, in a particularly dark scenario, the generals uh, recommended that the Defense Department war game the next potential post-election insurrection or coup attempt to identify weak spots. You know, ridiculous. Uh, I thought they already did I thought they already did a, uh, a preemptive civics review when they uh, booted out all of the uh, people who didn't want to get the jab or when they uh, questioned all of the, uh, um, the the body of our service members about, uh, you know, why they uh, were voting for Trump and why they were so patriotic, why they loved their country so much. They already have their number. They already have their name. Uh, you know, and they've hurt themselves so badly that what they're now going to give advances of what $50,000 if you join the military. That was a late uh, one of the latest headlines that I saw prior to the show. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, this is pretty crazy. And then they tell us that they need to review the Constitution and the electoral process. 
um, Total Hogwash, ladies and gentlemen, by by Benedict Arnold's by Traitorous Scum. Um, and uh, f- for whatever reasons, these guys have turned their backs on their oath of office and also uh, on uh, their countrymen. I could not tell you, but that's coming from the generals. Of course, uh, we have this ep- uh, article here from Breitbart. Uh, this one's coming from the mainstream pundits, of course. MSNBC's Watts says Trump is causing rise of domestic terror threat. He was a galvanizing force. And of course, they have done this from day one, from the jump. You know, he's the great divider. You know, he's the one who's bringing all the hate. He's the one who's causing people to be uh, all of these ludicrous things, which boil down to nothing but projection. You know, they are projecting, they are masters of projection, the Democrats and the liberals and the progressives and the well, left-leaning liberals and uh, the communist sympathizers, all of them, masters of projection, you know, and uh, that is one trick that they, uh, man, let me tell you what, they have been able to, uh, to use so stealthily, but obviously at the same time. Uh, let's see what this one says real quick. MSNBC national security analyst Clint Watts said Wednesday on Katie Turd reports that former President Donald Trump was a galvanizing force for a lot of extremist groups, which are now domestic terror threats. Okay, again, painting patriots, painting people who love this country as terrorists. We are a threat to their national security. The national security of who? The uh, United States of America Incorporated? Is that who we're threatening? Probably. Uh, Turd said the Justice Department is creating a unit to fight domestic terror. The threat of homegrown extremism has grown over the last year with the number of FBI investigations into domestic terror, more than doubling since the spring of 2020. Of course, the FBI is not investigating their own terrorists, right, and their own people. Um, let's see here. Uh, Watts said, uh, that's absolutely correct. I think the balance really changed to be honest. When president Trump took office, he was a galvanizing force that at least for a lot of extremist groups, they saw him as an empowering force. He talked about, uh, issues that spoke to them. He, they didn't always work together, but they saw unity underneath his banner. That's why you saw the diverse set of militia groups show up with QAnon supporters on January 6th. Separately, you see the online space is absolutely, in my opinion, out of control. So between COVID-19, mask mandates, and white supremacy, it's a lot of violence out there. They're trying to stoke those flames, ladies and gentlemen. All right, but uh, New York Post says, sorry, Democrats, civil war is not likely, even if you're trying to provoke one. So um, it's always good to know that there are some media outlets out there that kind of get what's going on and are not afraid to share it. Uh, Let's set the scene. American democracy is said to be under threat from a political party that questions the legitimacy and outcome of a presidential election that incites and justifies lawless insurrectionist actions and undermines American democratic institutions and processes, threatening the continued existence of the Constitution itself. If this state of affairs continues unabated, experts claim the United States might well lapse into a second civil war. Um, and, uh, well, pretty much, uh, they are describing the Democrat party here. Let's see here. Uh, it says, let's do a checklist. A Washington post university of Maryland poll in 2017 found that 67% of Democrats and 69% of Hillary Clinton voters said Donald Trump was not a legitimately elected president. And Hillary herself told CBS news that Trump was not a legitimate president because the 2016, uh, because he stole the 2016 election, 
Three years of contentious and debilitating investigations into what we now know was a phony Democrat-created story followed, but now the Republicans make similar claims about an anomalous election. Liberals have caught a case of the vapors and say it is a threat to democracy. Ugh, get her off the screen. And about that insurrection, would that be what would 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 that be the 1992 riots in Los Angeles that Democrat Representative Maxine Waters praised with that term? Uh, what about the violent riots of the summer of 2020, which leading uh, Democrats and much of the media called mostly peaceful? And the legitimate voice of the people, despite billions of dollars in damages and dozens of deaths from the violence, maybe they were just following the lead of Baltimore's former mayor, Stephanie Rawlings-Blake, who declared during the city's 2015 riots that we also gave those who wished to destroy space to do that as well. As for the Constitution and long-established uh, Democrat processes, democratic processes, which party is uh, which party is it that argues for wholesale change to the Constitution, that wants to pack the Supreme Court, that wants to jettison century-old rules of the Senate to make it purely majoritarian body, admit new states to tilt the partisan balance in Washington. What changes to the constitutions are Republicans demanding exactly? A balanced budget amendment is about the only one. Hardly a regime-shaking idea. There's a certain consistency that deserves to, be, deserves to be noted. Trump was not the first Republican president to face the resistance from Democrats. It was also, it was after all the refusal of the Democrat Party to abide by the results of a free election in 1860 that led to our first civil war. So why change modes now? The hysteria among Democrats over the shambolic riot at the Capitol a year ago reveals not only the hypocrisy of the left, but also its deep insecurity, ideological hollowness, and what psychologists call projection. That is attributing to others what is going on in your own mind. Democrats can take a patronizing attitude toward the violence and destruction from the far left because it does not take the far left seriously while at the same time sympathizing with the far left to some extent out of liberal guilt. But a single outburst of lawlessness from the right, foolishly tolerated if not encouraged by President Donald Trump, shakes liberals to their core, not only simply because it is so unexpected, but because it converts their core theory of the universe. So yeah, uh, article just... In summation, is all about uh, Democrats' projection and some of their history, guys. And, you know, as generic as this reasoning was from the New York Post, uh, you, you have to admit uh, the truth that is found in it, you know. Um, because, again, if we're looking at the example of the uh, false flag riots that happened on January 6th, there is so much evidence out there already that proves that there were other forces acting that day. And it was not the American people. Uh, the American people were corralled into the Capitol. You know, all of that was a set stage in order to help the Democrats and the globalist filth that control them create this narrative that they're trying to use to uh, prevent President Trump from running again or from optically speaking, assuming office 
And I couldn't help but think, guys, uh, maybe with all of this talk about, uh, you know, uh, insurrection and riots, uh, maybe maybe they think something is going to happen on uh, January 20th, you know? Uh, I'm sure they were expecting some kind of an uprising on the 6th. They always seem to be doing that. Maybe that's the reason why we're getting a brand new uh, concrete barrier around the White House currently, right? You guys have probably heard about that. Uh, Not a lot of information going on around that, but apparently, you know, uh, they're sealing off the White House with the concrete barrier at the time, at this moment. Uh, But um, like I said, as generic, get her off the screen, as generic uh, as a kind of, you know, reasoning, it's a valid reasoning that the New York Post had. Let's look at something that's a little bit more concrete, though. As Relanon had pointed out about Ray Epps, okay? Now, we, uh, on January 6th, we did kind of like a, a tribute episode to uh, the false flag riots and, uh, more importantly, the American people standing up to the fraud and the uh, lack of constitutionality that we had going on in D.C. on that day. But, uh, you know, uh, all of these other characters who seem not to be getting prosecuted, who seem not to be uh, being held as political captives, uh, political prisoners, uh, are still out there roaming around scot-free, okay? And uh, there's nothing happening to them. They're not, they're not being held in uh, any type of uh, a view of guilt or involvement, Um, we already know that the FBI erased Ray Epps off of their, uh, you know, their most wanted list, what, in the summer, July of 2020. Uh, and, uh, this guy was clearly an organizer of some sort, but they're not going to question him. Okay. Uh, this article from, uh, the Epoch Times, who is Ray Epps? DOJ won't say. Uh, And, uh, talks about, uh, uh, hearing and questioning that went into this factoid, top federal law enforcement officials have declined to answer numerous questions about Ray Epps, the Arizona resident captured on video, encouraging January 6, 2021 protesters to breach Capitol Hill. Controversy has surrounded Epps in recent months due to questions about his possible connection to law enforcement. Despite video evidence of him making repeated calls for action, Epps has not been charged in relation to January 6 incident. And his photo has been removed from the government's list of most wanted people from the event. The Democrat-led House committee investigating the breach reportedly stated on January 11th that it has interviewed Epps and that Epps denied any connection to law enforcement. I would like to see those transcripts, ladies and gentlemen. But at a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing earlier that uh, day, Senator uh, Ted Cruz, Ted Ruse, and Tom Cotton were unsuccessful in obtaining answers about Epps. Cruz asked Jill Sanborn, FBI Assistant Director for National Security, 10 questions about Epps and other potential undercover feds, none of which received substantial answers. Sanborn admitted that she is aware of Epps, but said she doesn't have specific background for him. When Cruz asked uh, whether Epps worked for the FBI, Sanborn declined to answer. Likewise, for when Cruz asked about whether federal informants participated in the riots, encouraged the riots, or removed barriers. I cannot answer that, Sanborn responded to each query. Five seconds after Mr. Epps whispered to a person, that same person began forcibly tearing down the barricades. Did Mr. Epps urge them to tear down the barricades, Cruz asked. Similar to the other answers, I cannot answer that, Sanborn replied. Cotton asked a similar line of questions to Assistant Attorney General Matthew Olson, the head of DOJ's National Security Branch. 
Olson said he wasn't aware of any plainclothes officers among the January 6th crowd and that he didn't know whether any undercover agents entered the Capitol. Your answers are all I don't know, Cotton said. Did you prepare for this hearing? Did you know it was happening before this morning? Olson also said he didn't have any information about Epps. This was a man on the most wanted page for six months. Do you really expect us to believe that you don't know anything about him? Cotton asked. Olson responded he simply did not have information. When pressed further, Olson said he couldn't say how many rioters were arrested for crimes related to violence or name a single person from the government's list of most wanted Capitol Hill rioters. This provoked further criticism from the Arkansas senator. Uh, Cotton asking, this is a hearing to mark the one-year anniversary of January 6th, and you can't even tell us how many people have been charged with crimes of violence. Would you go into a briefing with the attorney general and not be able to answer such basic questions? Toward the end of the hearing, committee chair Senator Dick Durbin entered into the record a fact-checking article from PolitiFact, which says there's no evidence that Epps was a federal asset. Durbin said he never heard of Epps before January 11th. Epps couldn't be reached for comment. His address is listed on public records. January 6th defendant Kelly Meggs has issued a subpoena for him to testify, but a number connected to that address appears to have been disconnected. Epps also had a number listed on the page for the Arizona Oath Keepers, but a call to that line went straight to Epps' voicemail, which was full. In January 2021 interview, in a January 2021 interview to the Arizona Republic, Epps reportedly said of his commenting comments caught on video, the only thing that meant is uh, we would go into the doors like everyone else. It was totally, totally wrong the way they went in. Following the hearing, right-wing pundits took to Twitter to congratulate Cruz and Cotton for their questions. I don't like that you call them right-wing pundits, Epoch Times. Anyways, Cruz had been denounced by Fox News host Tucker Carlson. Of course, we know about that. Okay, so, you know, uh, we went through the Epps, uh, you know, the Epps conspiracy, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and, and there's plenty of documentation out there about uh, his past uh, and his involvement with the government um, the photo, everything is there. I mean, and like I said, we didn't, we, we only scratched the surface here on the C report focusing on, uh, you know, um, uh, some of the infiltrators that day, uh, a lot of information's out there. So it's ridiculous guys, um, that we see this is still happening and yes, chaotic circles says Tam growl. It's exactly what, uh, we seem to be experiencing in this regard as they run the circles around all of these people and uh, they continue to uh, push this false narrative um, about what actually occurred on January 6th. Okay. Uh, but on that note, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's go from one civil revolution or coup to another and uh, we will jump over to... The story of Kazakhstan and uh, what happened uh, last week over there. Um, now, we talked about Kazakhstan uh, at length, uh, I think, in uh, about two episodes ago, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, you just kind of trying to decipher what the heck was going on over there. Now, a lot of us are starting to get savvy to 
some of the things that occurred. You know, uh, at the onset of it, it, it would appear that a communist government was uh, uh, going going uh, crazy, going tyrannical, going deadly on uh, people who had a legitimate uh, a legitimate concern about their government, people who had a grievance, and indeed they did. And, and they still did at the point, you know, what we were seeing was at least on one level, um, um, a civil protest against, uh, you know, the, uh, the ruling political, uh, political elite in Kazakhstan. Of course, we're talking specifically about the former president, uh, Nazarbayev. Uh, and again, I don't have my notes, so I hope I'm uh, saying that right. But Nazarbayev, of course, and then he having been uh, the president of uh, of Kazakhstan uh, since its uh, since its um, liberation, right uh, after the fall of the Soviet Union, uh, up until the point that uh, Tokoy- Tokoyev um, became the brand new president of Kazakhstan, uh, you had uh, the citizens complaining that, uh, you know, they were, uh, they were an elite group of autocrats who enriched themselves at the expense of the people of Kazakhstan. And uh, that, is, that is definitely a pattern uh, that we see happening amongst some of these uh, ruling elite in uh, in other countries, uh, again, uh, Ukraine comes to mind under uh, the leadership uh, or lack thereof of Poroshenko, and we see how he enriched himself. And then, of course, we also know from um, our uh, our diving into the events of Kazakhstan that uh, Tokoyev was actually um, well. Again, the the media says that uh, Nazarbayev handed the leadership to Tokoyev as Tokoyev was his chosen replacement. But again, in articles and news, uh, news reports that I saw, they actually had an election in 2019. It was a sham election, a rigged election, and the people, there were protests over that as well in 2019. Uh, but then we have this, these events happening in, uh, in Kazakhstan. Of course, we have the riots, we have uh, unrest, um, uh, and uh, we have the people standing up against this government. Since then, of course, uh, the uh, riots and the protests have been quelled. Uh, we had uh, Russian troops going uh, into Kazakhstan under the uh, CSTO uh, arrangements uh, to uh, be peacekeepers and assist Tokoyev in uh, retaining his government. And then a brand new narrative came out of that, ladies and gentlemen. And that narrative was that it was actually an attempted coup that was taking place in Kazakhstan. Uh, and so you, the, the mind spins when uh, you have to think. You have uh, someone who is installed by Nazarbayev, uh, but then apparently there's a coup occurring against this man, uh, so to what end, ladies and gentlemen, uh, is Nazarbayev attempting to regain control of, uh, of Kazakhstan? Um, are there elements who support the Nazarbayev regime that want this man out? And then the question would be, why? Why would elements uh, who support Nazarbayev want Tokayev out of office when he was installed by Nazarbayev to begin with, Right. So all these questions come to mind. Well, ladies and gentlemen, fortunately, I don't have to explain it all to you. Uh, Let's take a look at some footage uh, that has come out recently uh, from Kazakhstan, and then we can have a little chat about it once we see it. Now, what we'll see here is, again, 
the, the current government of Kazakhstan under Tokayev, uh, saying that this was an attempted coup, saying that we had uh, insurrectionists from other nations in and on the ground in Kazakhstan who actually infiltrated this uh, uprising by the people and uh, really were the, uh, the instigators of the violence and all of the destruction that we saw throughout uh, the course of that riot. But on top of that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we also have Tokayev uh, talking about how Nazarbayev enriched the political elite there. And we also have um, eyewitnesses uh, that support the fact and or theory that we did in fact have other nationals on the ground in Kazakhstan provoking this very um, uh, upheaval in their government. So those are some of the finer points. Let's take a gander. The Russian troops hey, I did not give you permission. And uh, let me get us set up for good sound on my end, guys. Now, these are, uh, these are short news clips. Uh, so we only have a few to go through. And... Uh, very interesting, the developments that we're seeing happening in Kazakhstan. And what does that mean in the grand scheme of things uh, geopolitically? You know, like, it begs the question, what is really going on? On pouring in, there are Armenians, Belarusians, Tajiks and Kyrgyzs too, but it is mostly Russians. Almaty airport is heavily guarded, their mandate to protect key infrastructure. It means we still can't fly in to where the most violent of last week's protests happened, where the shoot to kill order is definitely still active. But international flights are now open to the Kazakh capital, an 18-hour car ride further north. Nur Sultan didn't see any of Almaty's upheaval, a protest early on and checkpoints now outside the city, but life goes on as normal, even if the whole country is now under a state of emergency. This city has undergone a few name changes in its latest incarnation as Nur Sultan is in honor of Nur Sultan Nazarbayev, who is still technically what the Kazakhs call Yil Basa, leader of the nation. But the question is, for how much longer? Nazarbayev was the longest of Central Asia's post-Soviet strongmen till he handed power to his hand-picked successor, Kasim Jomat Takayev, in 2019. Rumors now are rife as to power struggles among the elites that Tokayev was forced to call on Russia's help to fend off a power grab. Questions circulate. Who were these men who turned the protests so violent? Why were security services strangely absent when shops and the airport were ransacked? Was the people's protest hijacked by other forces? And why hasn't Nazarbayev shown himself? Zaresh Batalova is one of the very few opposition voices in Kazakhstani politics. So do you think that the Nazarbayev era is over? Yes, I think so. His time is over. It was supposed to have finished much earlier, but unfortunately it was a long process and I think most of the problems in Kazakhstan are because of this. Tokayev now has a chance to prove himself outside Nazarbayev's shadow, to see if he responds to his people's frustrations, or if he defaults to switching one autocracy for another. Dynamagne Sky News, Nur Sultan, Kazakhstan. A 
after days of unrest in Central Asia's richest country, a Russian-led military bloc deployed troops into Kazakhstan. Now, President Qasem Jomart Tokayev says peacekeeping forces will begin their withdrawal. The situation throughout the country is stable. Thereby, I have to say that the main mission of the CST of peacekeeping forces has been successfully completed. In two days' time, a phrase withdrawal of the CSTO United Peacekeeping contingent will begin. The withdrawal process of the contingent will take no more than 10 days. Moscow deployed more than 2,000 troops after protests triggered by a hike in petrol prices turned into the worst unrest the country has seen since gaining independence 30 years ago. More than 150 people were killed and almost 10,000 detained. But the deployment of troops was questioned by Washington. To help quell the violence, President Tokayev announced the appointment of a new prime minister and addressed a number of concerns, and in the process, called out his predecessor. Thanks to the first president, Nur Sultan, a group of very profitable companies emerged in the country, as well as a group of people wealthy even by international standards. I think it is time they pay their dues to the people of Kazakhstan and help them on a systemic and regular basis. While the Kazakh government is trying to sort out its affairs, the Organization of Turkic States held an extraordinary meeting on Tuesday and says all members of the bloc are ready to support Kazakhstan. The great Turkic world stands by Kazakhstan. We fully support Kazakhstan in the restoration of stability in the country. As the Republic of Turkey, we have been in contact with the Kazakh authorities from the very beginning. Our people followed the developments closely. We were worried as a nation. Despite all the statements that everything is returning to normal, many analysts are keeping an eye on the withdrawal of Russian-led peacekeeping forces. Their fear, as well as Washington's, is once Russia goes in, it may never come out. Yasnik and TRT World. Well, the international peacekeeping mission here in Kazakhstan is over. It's official. It will take no more than 10 days, according to the president of Kazakhstan, for all international troops to completely withdraw from the country. It took the local security forces only a few days to get the situation under control and no longer require the help of their allies from the collective security treaty organization. Now, according to the authorities, their main mission is to keep the situation stable and, well, to keep improving it and, in fact, to not let to basically prevent anything like that from happening ever again. We are here in the city of Almaty, and uh, basically you can see just, uh, well, a fraction of the mayhem that has been dealt to this city. This is a former presidential residence. Now it's, well, it's definitely a former one. You can see how protesters use this truck to completely, well, destroy the, well, the barriers and to get in, to get into this territory. But basically now the whole city here wonders who was behind this territory terrorist attack on the country. And uh, we filed this report where we try to get some witness accounts and, well, to get some glimpse into who may have done it. Kazakhstan is making its first baby steps towards recovery from the protests, which went terribly astray, turning into terrorism. And as the whole country mourns, this city, the city of Almaty, that has seen more annihilation than any other town by an order of magnitude, can't help but wonder who is behind all this.
Irina and family live meters away from the main square. From the windows, they watched armed goons join the mob. There was a crowd of people walking towards the administration building. Initially, we didn't think they were armed, but they seemed aggressive. The next day, the crowd grew. People appeared with clubs, iron bars, helmets and shields, on which was written in Kazakh, old men go. Some people from the crowd rummaged in bushes and picked something up from the ground. It wasn't rocks, it wasn't iron bars. They were looking for something small. They had something small in their hands. I think it might have been some kind of drug, because it was something very small. It fits in your palm. She shows us videos on her phone. We're the first news crew she's showing them to. But protesters arming themselves with stolen riot gear is far from unheard of. It was something else that caught this family's attention. We saw people in long down jackets. They had earpieces in their ears and either walkie-talkies or telephones. They were in no hurry to go to the main square with everyone else. They were just scanning the crowd. It seemed to me that they were directing the crowd. The visible red flags don't end there. Plenty of locals noticed matching outfits worn by the most violent rioters. They were wearing black clothes, some were wearing masks, hats, and we noticed white gloves. It's all obvious, what else to say? The bulk of the people were in black, grey, but notably people in bright red jackets stood out. I immediately wondered, who would want to stand out like that at an event like this? The protests in Kazakhstan were ignited by a hike in fuel prices, but quickly took a political turn, as anti-government chants evolved into religious proclamations, according to this witness's account. After some time closer to the night, we heard shouts of Allah Akbar, God is greatest, on the square. Those were no longer slogans of Kazakhstan, but religious slogans. Neighbors whose windows overlooked this square said that there were men who used women in hijabs as human shields. Troops told us that among the terrorists, there were bearded men and citizens of other countries, according to their documents. Almaty is plagued with rumors and stories about foreign Islamists slipping through security checks and conducting attack. No one here believes that locals could have caused so much mayhem in their city. Kazakh authorities have been saying for days that a terrorist attack was underway. And according to leaders of the CSTO Security Alliance, the events here have borne the telltale signs of international terrorism. We are witnessing the aggression of international terrorism. Where did they come from, these gangs of armed men who were trained abroad and clearly had experience in fighting in global hotspots? Certain forces do not shy away from using cyberspace and social networks to recruit extremists and terrorists to create sleeper cells of insurgents. We will not allow the situation in our homeland to be disturbed. We will not allow a so-called color revolution to be carried out. Kazakh security forces are on a seek-and-destroy mission, clearing out terrorist cells that had gone into hiding. Complicating matters is a mistrust between the army and the police after terrorists stole so many of their uniforms and could sneak up on them disguised as officers. The nation wants to go back to the peaceful life they're used to and to know for sure who did this. Amagashdanov reporting from Almaty, Kazakhstan, RT. Okay, guys, so those are the three, uh, three uh, um, 
clips I wanted to share with you all about this now. Uh, we can have a little chat about this because we got a lot of good uh, thoughts and comments coming out. Now, I liked, uh, I liked uh, that one over there, Shanji. Yeah, I bet you Ray Epps was in that crowd, right? Directing, <laughs> directing them what to do, directing the rioters, how to act and stuff like that. But um, okay, so uh, some, some of the points to take away from that, I think, are... Uh, first of all, uh, the reporter asked a valid point, okay? Uh, Nazarbayev was an autocratic communist, uh, you know, a, a dictator uh, who enriched himself uh, at, the, at the, uh, the, the price, at the cost of the people of, the, of, of Kazakhstan. Um, but is Tokayev, who um, apparently was suffering a, a coup and, uh, you know, uh, beat it, it, are they are they replacing one autocratic government for another? Okay, so time would tell what Tokayev's intentions are and how he handles um, that situation. Because now Nazarbayev was removed from the head of their National Security Council, which was the true seat of power, right? Uh, they removed uh, uh, several of his loyalists from that office. Apparently, uh, there have been reports that three or four of them have committed suicide, okay? So uh, they're getting rid of those loyalists, right? So now they're saying Tokayev is the true leader of Kazakhstan, all right? Uh, another thing that interplays here is that Putin, sending in the CSTO members as peacekeepers, signaled to the people of Kazakhstan, as well to whom was ever behind that coup, that he supports Takayev as the political leader of Kazakhstan. Okay, now Takayev in the second video was talking about how Nazarbayev, under his regime, enriched himself and his family, again, at the expense of the Kazakhstan people, and that, um, uh, that he believed it was time for Nazarbayev and all of those corrupt politicians who stole from the people and from the land to pay back what is owed to the people of Kazakhstan. Again, that is not something that you would hear from someone who is not going to be an autocratic dictator, but maybe someone who will lead his country differently. Will that be the case? We don't know. We'd have to wait and see. However, I think it is very interesting, would you call it rhetoric, that he is pointing out the corruption of the previous regime and that he is uh, calling for them to, uh, to uh, pay back to the people what is owed. Uh, I think Sean, uh, I think Sean Joe said over there in uh, the foxhole, um, the chains are being broken all over the world. Uh, could they possibly be cleaning up house over there? Again, Ukraine comes to mind. And of course, Ukraine is being used as a puppet stage or theater for NATO to go against Russia. We'll get into that. And that's going to be our last big story for tonight. Uh, or or uh, I should say, uh, yeah, yeah re a story. We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about Russia and NATO next because they recently had a meeting uh, where they're talking about, uh, you know, whatever they got to talk about. We'll get into that in a minute. So that's another thing that comes to mind, uh, you know, when we're talking about that. 
Uh, will uh, will uh, Takayev really seek out remunerations or payback from the corrupt uh, leaders that enrich themselves at the cost of the people of Kazakhstan? Okay. Um, Putin talked about uh, uh, other uh, other agencies or other countries utilizing, um, you know, the internet or cyberspace or you know uh, satellites uh, to uh, to invoke or create these color revolutions. Now we know that um, our government, for example, used such uh, uh, plans and schemes uh, by way of things like uh, Shadownet and internet interactive activity to provoke color revolutions in countries like Ukraine, for example. Um, they've also been said to have been involved in what was going on in Belarus. And uh, we know that they used such types of things to, uh, uh, to influence and provoke, uh, you know, uh, um, the people in like uh, Afghanistan, as well as in, uh, in other countries like Iraq, where they, you see people rising up and stuff. And all of this has to do with that idea that uh, Putin presented there about using the internet and stuff like that. And we know through, uh, through documentaries like Shadowgate exactly how they do that uh, and that they indeed do use these uh, mecha mechanisms against the people in order to push regime change or in order to, you know, uh, push a color revolution and things like that. So those are some very, I think, points worth exploring uh, as we go into this now, uh, Pierre Mays over in Twitch was also uh, talking a little bit about what's going on here. Um, mentioning, of course, uh, this, this friendship between uh, Kazakh officials and the Biden family. And of course, we also saw the Biden family in Ukraine. And where are they not, right, uh, enriching themselves at the expense of the American people? Uh, now, um, uh, let me see if I can see uh, what else we were seeing here. Uh, talking about what could possibly happen next. Um, uh, uh, Pierre May said, what will happen next is that the Russians might invade Kazakhstan and take control. Uh, he says, I've been talking to my cousins in Russia and they say the same thing. Kazakhstan has recently been part of a PSYOP war between China and Russia. So I don't, I don't know about this PSYOP war between China and Russia, but this is kind of the viewpoint that I take on this. Um, when we're thinking about Ukraine and Russia, we kind of talked about how uh, there's no real benefit to Russia, particularly economically speaking, of them to invade Ukraine. Um, I don't know that I see any, uh, any similar instance between Russia and Kazakhstan. Now, the other viewpoint I take personally, and again, these are my views, they don't have to be honored or observed by anyone else, is that, again, uh, the enemy of Putin is the enemy of the American people, and that is the globalist, elitist, filth, transhumanist, Satanist, whatever you want to call these, uh, the, the scum, like those are his enemies as well. He's trying to keep them out of his country also. Now, this is, we asked the question here at the Sea Report, could it be that Tokayev might actually be trying to clean out Kazakhstan? Could he possibly be trying to really bring about, you know, um, a, a real law and order, respect for the people, respect for his nation, uh, some sort of real form of democracy. And I almost hesitate to use democracy because you know that, uh, you know, the, the, the progressives and the, the Democrats 
go into other countries under the banner of democracy to produce regime change, right? So that's why I'm like, ah, democracy. But I mean, when you have a, an autocratic communist government who is instilling their own leaders, the idea of democracy and what it means is is valid, right? It is valid, okay? So um, could Takayev really be trying to bring that to his country? Uh, and And so he broke away from Nazarbayev. I think that is a good question to ask. Personally, do I think that um, Russia would invade Kazakhstan? I don't know that they would. I, I don't. I don't see that as being a battle plan of Putin. But of course, I have also heard um, in other venues that the the Soviet Union is actually supposed to come back together. I don't know. I mean, that's something else for another day, probably, to talk about. But that is uh, that is something that I've heard. Uh, the reunification of the Soviet states is something that I've heard. Now, again, I don't know that that is something that would actually happen. But, you know, uh, they have this C CSTO, this uh, military alliance between uh, Russia and, uh, like, what, uh, six or seven other nations right in that area. Uh, what we know about Ukraine is that parts of eastern Ukraine, the people there... Uh, still like the Russians, and they 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 are not against the Russians, but uh, the Ukraine situation I think is absent of Ukraine. Someone made a good point about this meeting between NATO members and Putin, and that was uh, this fight is over Ukraine, but there was no one there to represent Ukraine. So you know, there's kind of something missing there on that part. Now, um. Uh, Pierre Mace also said Kazakhstan recently came out and said they would stop learning Russian language and uh, start using the Cyrillic letters. Um, and that didn't set well with Russian. And that could very well be the case. You know, that's something that I would have to explore. Some, I mean, that, may, that might be something that only the people in Russia are privy to. You know, I'm not in Russia, so I really couldn't tell you uh, about that. But uh, it's, it's interesting information to digest and to uh, kind of uh, submit also into the body of evidence as we're looking at uh, another nation's uh, geopolitical um, I guess, a, a mess that's happening over there. But I mean, I kind of lean towards this uh, entire feeling that maybe they're trying to clean it out. I mean, right now, what is it that we're seeing in um, in the world? You know, we're seeing the Great Awakening happening in America. We're seeing people standing up and fighting against these corrupt uh, authorities. We're seeing that happen in other nations. Uh, uh, we're seeing this this real, when you get down to it, this real battle between good and evil. Could it be possible that we're seeing this pattern occur in other countries as well. You know, when uh, the country of Ukraine elected President Zelensky, he was a populist president. You know, he he ran against corruption. He got in and uh, again, I don't fault him for anything that's going on between Ukraine and Russia right now. I see that as being more of the NATO alliance uh, and a Russian thing. Um, but, uh, you know, Zelensky had the support of President Trump and uh, President Trump, again, an enemy of the globalist, elitist, transhumanist filth, uh, who's also uh, an enemy of Putin, you know, and in that common enemy, we had the world powers of the United States and Russia coming together. Let's not forget, Putin handed President Trump the soccer ball. And uh, I don't know, we, uh, we, we all think we believe we know what, what, what that soccer ball thing was all about. So, you know, just some interesting tidbits of information to, to uh, digest and go over. Again, uh, we have Takayev saying uh, and talking about the corruption in that government. 
what will we see moving forward? Uh, we'll just have to watch and analyze uh, the events that will unfold. Uh, because again, this uh, Russia alarmism, you know, that we see so prevalent in the media is coming from, uh, you know, the likes of the deep state department. We have Antony Blinken going over there and, you know, uh, really getting aggressive and, and saying that Russia is the aggressor when uh, we've, we've analyzed some of uh, some reports and we've analyzed some articles about how Russia really feels that it is uh, NATO who has uh, betrayed them as they expand eastward towards Russia. And so really what this story presents is that Russia is more trying to defend themselves. They're concerned about their security, okay? Because NATO, of course, that is an alliance of Western-backed, globalist, elitist, deep state nations, right? Uh, let's not forget that little uh, uh, factoid there. Um, are, I mean, at, at their root are the enemies of Russia, and it is because of them that they have painted Russia as this big enemy of America. And they've sought to divide us and keep us fighting, which is their MO. I mean, that's what they're doing in our country with our people. That's what they do around the world. And uh, so they've managed to do that between two of the biggest world powers on this planet. Keep us as enemies so we don't unite against them, the common enemy. Uh, so Russia recently, um, uh, we know, okay, about the, the escalations in Ukraine. Um, what is really going on there? We, we talked about this a couple of episodes ago where we see that, uh, um, Ukraine has received a lot of military and financial support from the United States, from NATO and NATO allies. Okay. So this is to... Uh, this is to the anxiety of someone like Putin, who is concerned that they are basically setting up camp on his border. You know, they're setting up, uh, you know, uh, command posts, missiles, whatever it is that, that they see or that they have intelligence on is what they are against. OK, when it comes to Ukraine and Russia, Russia is really upset with NATO, not with Ukraine. Now, of course, because of the history between Ukraine and Russia, hey, I gave you no such permission, but because of the history between Ukraine and Russia, uh, I believe that they're using that as a scapegoat uh, to blame Russia as being the aggressor, right? And, uh, and that is so that NATO can start a war. Uh, the globalists need a war, and I will stress that until I'm blue in the face. Uh, because the only way they could stop uh, election integrity and election fraud from coming out is if they had a war, is if they dropped a bomb, if, is if there was a big enough of a distraction that the American people would forget about what was going on here at home. If we had a third world war and it were nuclear, uh, everything else would take a back seat. And of course, by this manufactured uh, incident, um, they would be able to emerge as evictors, uh, again, shaping the narrative and guiding it. So that this way, their outcome is the outcome that they would um, that they would uh, see as a, see as a reality. You know, uh, Pierre Mays also says um, Russia is surrounded by NATO, a true fact. Uh, how many Russian bases are around America? And in fact, uh, that is a, a statement that Putin makes. Now, 
would you stop getting ahead of me, please? Um, we're going to play this clip. And this is, uh, this is uh, uh, Putin um, speaking. Let me, let me get the information right here. Um, speaking, uh, let's see here. Speaking with Sky News from Australia. They were having a, uh, they were having a press conference. And uh, uh, the uh, reporter asks Putin about NATO and what's going on with the Ukraine. Uh, so this is this is kind of where I, I feel like things are going in that manner. And again, things can change. But uh, uh, kind of my my amateur analysis on that matter is um, the globalists need a war. They're using the NATO alliance to provoke Russia. And they've been doing it since the 1990s, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so let's see what Putin has to say about it uh, from the words of the man himself. Uh, let's let that footage roll. You also say you have no intention of invading Ukraine. So will you guarantee unconditionally that you will not invade Ukraine or any other sovereign country? Or does that depend on how negotiations go? And another question. What is it do you think that the West does not understand about Russia or about your intentions? Thank you. Speaking of the security guarantees and what it will depend upon, or if something will depend upon the negotiations, our actions will not depend on the negotiation. They will depend on the unconditional compliance with the Russian security demands today and in the historical context. In this sense, we have made it clear that any further NATO movement to the east is unacceptable. There is nothing unclear about this. We are not deploying our missiles over at the borders of the U.S. No. On the other hand, the U.S. is deploying its missiles close to our home, on there on the porch of our house. So are we demanding something excessive? We're simply asking them not to deploy their attack systems over at our home. What is so unusual or peculiar about that? So what would the Americans think if we, for example, decided to come to the border between, say, Canada and the United States or Mexico and simply deploy our missiles over there. Well, does, did Mexico and the U.S. never have any territorial disputes? What about California? What about Texas? Did you forget about that? But everything seems to have calmed down. Nobody remembers those things just like the way they remember about Crimea. We try not to remember uh, the situation in Ukraine. Who created that? Who started the crisis? Uh, was it Lenin? Yes. When, it, when he declared the Soviet Union in 1922 and then the Constitution of 1924 following his death was following the principles of Lenin. This is a matter of security, not just history. This is about security. It is not the negotiations that matter. It is the outcome, the result. I've reiterated this many times, and you're well aware that we said not an inch to the east. That was the NATO guarantee in 1990. So what became of that? They fooled us. We've seen five waves of NATO expansion. Now they're in Romania and in Poland, 
and they're deploying the relevant attack systems over there. That's what we're talking about. You should finally understand we're not threatening anyone. We did not come to the U.S. borders or to the U.K. borders. No, they, they came to our borders, and now they're saying that Ukraine will also join NATO and they will deploy their systems there, or not just NATO, they will simply deploy it on a bilateral basis. They will deploy their military bases and their attack systems. That's what we're talking about. And you keep demanding some guarantees from us. You must give us the guarantees. It is up to you. And you must do this immediately, right now, instead of keep talking about this for decades. And uh, use this uh, small talk and uh, soft talk about the need for guarantees of security for everyone. This is exactly what we mean. We are not threatening anybody. And now to the second part of your question. Could you repeat that, please? What is it that you think that the West does not understand ah, okay. about Russia or about your intentions? No. Ah, yes, exactly. Well, you know, what, we what you understand or what you don't understand, sometimes it seems to me that we live in two different worlds. I was speaking about very obvious things. How can you not understand that? You say you will not expand and then you keep expanding. You say... We will have equal guarantees for everyone on the number of international agreements. And then we see there is no equality or no equal security. See, here's the thing. Back in 1918, one of the assistants of Woodrow Wilson, the U.S. president, said that the whole world would feel calmer and safer if today's enormous Russia would be replaced with the states of Siberia and four more states in the European part of Russia. That was set in 1918, and in 1991 we separated into 12 separate parts. It seems to me that our partners were not satisfied with that. They think that Russia is too large. Even the European countries have turned themselves into a union of states. They are quite small states with populations of 60 to 80 million people, but even after the dissolution of the Soviet Union, we only had 146 million people, and that is too much for the West. I think that is the only explanation for their constant pressure against us. Back in the 1990s, the Soviet Union did everything it could to build normal relations with the West, with the United States. I will keep saying this, and I will repeat for your viewers and listeners out there from the media that you represent. I didn't quite get that, but that doesn't matter. Our nuclear sites, our military nuclear sites had experts from the U.S. intelligence authorities. They were going there. That was their job to visit the Russian military nuclear sites. They spent their whole days over there. And the Russian government had advisors from the CIA working inside of it. What else did you need? Why did you have to support the terrorists in Northern Caucasus and use the terrorist organizations for to reach your goals and break down the Russian Federation? This was exactly what you were doing. And as a former director of the FSB, I know that. We were working with the double agents and they were reporting to us on the tasks of the Western intelligence agencies. Why did you have to do that? You should have 
done something different, perhaps treat Russia as a possible ally and strengthen trust. But no, instead you tried to keep breaking us up and then you started the NATO expansion to the east. We were saying, don't do that, you had promised you wouldn't. And they say, where is it put in written form? Nowhere. Well, then laugh off and we don't care about your concerns. And every time we kept responding and trying to make obstacles, we were expressing our concerns about that. But they say no. So you can do whatever you want about your concerns. We will do whatever we need. One, two, three, four, five. We witnessed five waves of NATO expansion. Why can't they understand? What is unclear? I believe everything is clear. We are thinking about our own security. So isn't that isn't that interesting, guys? Um, this this totally other narrative that we're hearing from Russia, totally opposite of what the mainstream media is really pushing and what the deep state department is really pushing. And then uh, Putin brings up a history, the breaking up of the Soviet Union, which, I mean, I, I admit I don't know a whole lot on that topic, but that's something worth exploring, uh, considering what he was saying, uh, the information he was privy to as head of, like, uh, you know, I guess security uh, and uh, intelligence uh, working in that field over there. So I think very, very worth exploring. Sean Joe, thank you for tossing your cookies over there in the chat room. Um, but, uh, but again, ladies and gentlemen, a totally different story. Like he said, why couldn't we unite? Why couldn't we come together? So uh, really, I don't see how Russia would benefit from invading Ukraine or even Kazakhstan or any of the other former uh, states of the Soviet Union. I don't see how he would benefit from it at this point um, I think that they would benefit at working together as a body of nations, uh, united, um, but who knows, who knows, maybe, maybe if the fall of the Soviet Union and whatever was going on over there really was, um, uh, at the, uh, at, at the arrangement of like a regime change or color, color revolution or whatever it is that Putin just said, maybe they will reunify. Who knows? I don't know. I mean, that, that, as a, I'm a, that's a little out of my depth here. Uh, but we got to wrap this up, guys, because I've held you over for long enough. Uh, this is an article uh, coming out of VOA News. Russia's Putin says Western leaders broke promises. But did they? So uh, this is going to give us a little bit of uh, that detail. Um, and uh, uh, to the actual, like, what they were talking about. It's going to give us a little bit of history, too. So let's just take a real quick look at this, and uh, and then we will uh, we will begin our wrap-up for the night, guys. Again, thanks for joining us. If you've been hanging out with us, uh, I predict we'll be here yeah, 15, 20 more minutes or so. Uh, so let's see what this article has to say really quick. Shanjo says, honestly, the true narrative. I really feel like that's the true narrative. I feel like Putin is telling the truth, and again... I'm not a Russian sympathizer, you know, I, I don't, uh, you know, uh, you guys get it, right? But like, uh, honestly, uh, that is, that is, uh, that is our, our ally in a common enemy, you know? Uh, yes, uh, we'll put that one on the screen. Jean-Pierre says, uh, America should ally with Russia against China. You know, America should, yeah, against the globalist, all that stuff. Uh, the article says, Russian President Vladimir Putin and his senior aides have repeatedly claimed that Western powers broke promises they made not to expand NATO as the Soviet Union collapsed. Uh, in his annual end-of-year press conference, what we just saw, Putin accused NATO of deceiving Russia. 
uh, by giving assurances in the 1990s that it would not expand an inch to the east. The Russian leader has made the claim frequently about NATO skullduggery, accusing Western powers of taking advantage of a weakened, disoriented Russia as the Soviet Union fell apart. Um, in a speech at the Munich Security Conference in 2007, he asked, what happened to the assurances our Western partners made after the dissolution of the Warsaw Pact? And then again, in, Krem in a, a Kremlin speech after Russia's annexation of the Ukrainian peninsula of, uh, peninsula of Crimea in 2014, he accused Western leaders of having lied to us many times, made decisions behind our backs, placed before us an accomplished fact that happened with NATO's expansion to the east. After that speech, former U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, Stephen Pfeiffer, said in an essay, Western leaders never pledged not to enlarge NATO, but that the story fits so well with the picture that Russian leaders seek to paint of an aggrieved Russia taken advantage of by others and increasingly isolated, not due to its own actions, but because of the machinations of a deceitful West. Okay, so this is the counterpoint to what Putin is saying coming from the ambassador to Ukraine, U.S. ambassador. Uh, the article continues, most authoritative Western scholars and historians who have studied diplomatic memos, the minutes of meetings and transcripts released by both sides since the 1990s dispute the idea that NATO made any formal pledges. And Western leaders have vigorously protested the Putin narrative, saying there was never any deal about not expanding NATO into Central Europe. Last week, U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, on the eve of bilateral talks between American and Russian diplomats in Geneva, told reporters NATO never promised not to, uh, not to admit new members. It could not and would not. The open door policy was a core provision of the 1949 North Atlantic Treaty that founded NATO. Blinken referred reporters to remarks in 2014 by Mikhail Gorbachev to Russia Beyond, a multilingual project operated by the nonprofit of the Russian state-owned news agency RIA Novosti. During the interview, the former Soviet leader was asked why he had not sought a document to legally encode what Baker had said about not moving one inch further east. What Baker meant. Gorbachev explained that the Baker remark was being taken out of context and replied, the topic of NATO expansion was not discussed at all, but another issue was discussed, making sure that NATO's military structures would not advance and that additional armed forces would not be deployed on the territory of the then German Democratic Republic after German reunification. Baker's statement was made in that context. So do you guys see the play on words there? They're saying that NATO never said they would not expand. But what they did talk about is that even if they expanded to other member nations, they would not advance military structures. They would not advance armed troops. They would not put up bases and forts. And they, that is what would not move east. Uh, so... In this discussion, Gorbachev and them is saying they can they can have other nations, but the military hardware, the troops, they cannot go east. So this and I, under this misnomer of history, under this misunderstanding or this context, uh, you know, gone off, you know, uh, the path. Um, all of this is happening where they're saying Putin is wrong and he's just acting like a victim because he really wants 
to rule Europe and then the world, right? Because again, uh, you know, the globalist elite and their uh, their news agencies, their mouthpieces, their mockingbird media are just talking the uh, the talking points to demonize Russia and uh, make them look like our en- oh goodness, it should be go away. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so uh, back to the article. Almost done here. Uh, Gorbachev added the agreement on a final state settlement with Germany said that no new military structures would be created in the eastern part of the country. No additional troops would be deployed. No weapons of mass destruction would be placed there. It has been obeyed all these years. But Gorbachev did say in the interview that was uh, that what has unfolded since 1990 with more countries deciding to join NATO was a violation of the spirit of the statements and assurances made to us in 1990 although he did not elaborate. Uh, so there's that little bit of history. Now, it talks about the, uh, the NATO expansion. Uh, Gorbachev also acknowledged in May 1990 when signing off on German reunification that NATO expansion was likely, saying that he was aware of the intention expressed by a number of representatives of East, of East European countries to withdraw from the Warsaw Pact and subsequently join NATO. Uh, Declassified American, Soviet, German, British, and French documents posted online in 2017 by the National Security Archive at George Washington University in the American capital suggest Gorbachev had some reason to be disgruntled later. The documents show that multiple national leaders were considering and rejecting Central and Eastern European memberships in NATO as of early 1990 and through 1991, that discussions of NATO in the context of German unification negotiations in 1990 were not at all narrowly limited to the status of Eastern German territory. Um, So, uh, well, there's that, ladies and gentlemen. As we're considering some of the geopolitics of this area and what's going on between Russia, NATO, and Ukraine, and what's really going on, we should say, uh, with NATO and Russia. But they have continued to expand their military power eastward. And that, again, several times Putin had said is his line in the sand. Uh, But of course, they are being painted as the aggressors. And uh, as, as we have to sit back and wonder, why is it that NATO keeps provoking Russia? Why is it that NATO keeps sending their military power, their artillery, you know, to the eastern uh, borders of Russia? Okay, so Ukraine could join NATO, right? That's what they want right now. And again, I don't fault any of this to President Zelensky. Uh, I think he's just caught up in, uh, in what has been the history of uh, uh, these organizations and countries. So um, we're not going to read these articles, but these are headlines that illustrate the military power uh, and also the equipment, as well as the money that is being given to Ukraine. Because there are counter articles out there that say Ukraine's not getting any uh, military weapons. They're not moving anything. NATO's not moving any uh, military power to the east. There's no reason for Russia uh, to lie about these things. Russia just wants to invade Ukraine. This article comes from Politico, and this is from uh, October 2019. Um, How U.S. military aid became a lifeline for Ukraine. Again, we're not going to read these, but it says the U.S. provided about $1.5 billion in military aid to Kiev between 2014 and this past June, according to a Congressional Research Service analysis. Uh, So uh, that article talks about that. Uh, This next article over here. 
Uh, U.S. announces uh, $125 million in military aid to Ukraine. This comes from March 1st, 2021. Um, it says uh, the Pentagon announced Monday a $125 million military aid package for Ukraine, uh, the first of its kind under the Biden administration. The package is funded through the Ukraine Security Assistance Initiative, a Pentagon fund whose money was authorized by fiscal year NDAA-21. Uh, the biggest items include are included are two Mark VI patrol boats produced by Safe Boats International, bringing Ukraine's fleet up to eight of the vessels. Okay, it also includes capabilities to enhance the lethality, lethality command and control, and situational awareness of Ukraine forces through a, the provision of additional counter artillery radars and tactical equipment. Next article says. And this is from uh, Web India. Uh, it says, uh, let me get these uh, things off the screen here real quick. Uh, Russia says NATO military. Russia says NATO military aid to Ukraine only heightens tension. This one's coming from uh, sometime in 2021. Uh, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization continues to provide military assistance to Ukraine, which only escalates the internal conflict in the country, the Russian foreign ministry said. NATO countries are increasing the supply of weapons to Ukraine, training its military personnel, and are not doing this with the mythical aim of maintaining stability and security, but to simply add fuel to the fire, military spokesman Maria Zakharova said. Okay, and so uh, it talks a little bit more about their activities, NATO, and uh, what's going on in Ukraine. This article from uh, Ukraine Forum, uh, coming from, uh, let's see, what's uh, actually today, January uh, 13th, or yesterday, 2022. Um, it says, uh, Ambassador Ukraine to get additional assistance from the United States this year. In 2022, Ukraine is expected to receive an additional assistance from the United States apart from the projected $300 million. The United States grants us direct aid through its budget for 2022. This sum is already bigger. It was increased to $300 million, and the component related to lethal defensive weapons was increased also. This is the amount that is projected for the year and on which our defense agencies cooperate with each other. Determine what will be included in this part. Okay, it says here, uh, the assistance within which we receive joint trainings, armaments, javelin systems, something that cannot be talked about, but we will try very hard to expand on the list of defensive weapons that we can get, said the ambassador to Ukraine. And I think I got one more. And this one says, uh, from the Kiev Independent, Ukraine receives $450 million in foreign defense aid in 2021. So this is from January 11th, 2022. It says, uh, amid Russia's ongoing war, Ukraine in 2021 ended up getting a total of nearly $450 million in defense assistance, mainly from the United States, UK, Lithuania, and Latvia. Uh, the shipments uh, to help Ukraine defend itself from Russia, Russian aggression included weapons, vehicles, medical equipment, munitions, and many other items, according to Ukraine's military. In particular, Kiev uh, received a total of 55 HMMWV vehicles, more commonly known as Humvees, provided for free by the United States, along with 84 rigid inflatable boats sent to Ukraine's Special Operation Forces. The U.S. also shipped a new batch of 30 FGM-148 Javelin launch pads and 180 missiles and provided Ukraine's Navy with two more island-class patrol boats, 
also at no cost upon Ukraine other than transportation fees. The UK in 2021 sent 20 landmine rollers spark, SPRK according to the military. Latvia in early 2021 contributed by providing Ukraine's armed forces medical branch with seven Land Rover Defender vehicles, while Lithuania sent as many as 450 military-grade armored vests for Ukrainian troops to use. So, um, I don't know, guys. I, I guess they're not... I guess they're not arming and, uh, you know, preparing uh, Ukraine. Uh, but if I were Putin, if I were Russia, this would look like to me that they are moving their military power. They are supplying Ukraine with, uh, you know, military weapons, defense weapons. They could be used offensively, I'm sure. Um, so again, that is the line in the sand. That is a different narrative from what we're being told by the Mockingbird media, the mainstream, lamestream, fake news, legacy media, and also our deep state department. And uh, while we don't know where this is going 100% at the moment, I am again willing to vouch, bet, what have you, it's because they need a war and they want to take us to war. We have the capital switchboard number above my head. I would strongly recommend getting in touch with someone and letting them know we do not support any type of conflict or involvement in what the globalists are manufacturing right now, and that is war with Russia by way of NATO alliance. Uh, oh, I guess I had one more here. We won't go through this one. It's you. Uh, U.S. quietly authorizes another $200 million in military aid to Ukraine. That's what this uh, article says here, guys. Um, all right. I think that wraps it up, guys, just to get another perspective on uh, on what's going on on the other side of the world. Now, two quick stories to wrap up tonight. An update in the Prince Andrew uh, and uh, um, Virginia Roberts Jufree case. Well, ladies and gentlemen, he tried to get the trial, the case thrown out by the courts. Uh, they did a lot of things to try and get it thrown out. Uh, including utilizing the verbiage from the um, um, uh, released documents uh, involving the settlement between uh, Jeffrey Epstein and Virginia Roberts Dufresne. Didn't seem to work. Prince Andrew will go to trial, ladies and gentlemen. Headline from Breitbart says... Uh, U.S. judge rules that Prince Andrew's sex assault case can proceed. So he is going to trial, ladies and gentlemen. There will be a trial of Prince Andrew in regards to uh, his uh, sexual assault and child rape. Uh, it's, it's said to happen sometime around September. A U.S. judge ruled Wednesday that a sexual assault lawsuit brought against Prince Andrew can move forward, piling pressure on the royal and causing uh, further embarrassment for the British monarchy. New York judge Lewis Kaplan said he denied in all respects Andrew's motion to dismiss the civil complaint by accuser Virginia Dufresne, who says the prince abused her when she was 17. Um, let's see here. Uh, Dufresne alleges the, the late disgraced financier Jeffrey Epstein lent her out for sex. We know that story. Um, Andrew's lawyer had last week urged Kaplan to throw out the suit, citing a settlement that Jufri signed in 2009 with Epstein. 
Andrew's attorney, Andrew Brettler, said Jufree had waived her rights to sue other defendants in relation to alleged sex crimes committed by Epstein. But Kaplan said in his 46-page decision that the agreement was riddled with drafting problems and ambiguities. The parties have articulated at least two reasonable interpretations of the critical language. The agreement, therefore, is ambiguous, he wrote. The deal made public for the first time by a New York court this month showed that Jufri agreed to drop a civil claim against Epstein for $500,000. The settlement contained a provision purporting to protect other potential defendants from being sued related to alleged sexual abuse committed by Epstein, who, who committed suicide allegedly in jail in 2019. So, uh, well, there you have it, guys. Prince Andrew will go to trial. And apparently that settlement is not going to protect anybody else because it was written ambiguously. So that is a good piece of news right there. That's another thing that we can follow, uh, another storyline to tell. And uh, finally, another update with the Ghislaine Maxwell trial, just to wrap it up. Um, uh, Well, basically, ladies and gentlemen, as you guys might remember where we left off, um, uh, she could possibly have a mistrial or a retrial based on uh, the activities and uh, the sayings of the two jurors um, who afterwards disclosed in interviews that they were also victims of sexual assault. Of course, uh, that puts, uh, puts a lot of, uh, you know, impetus on whether or not they could have a mistrial. Uh, the defense for Ghislaine Maxwell certainly wanted to have a retrial called and a possible, re- I mean, a mistrial called and a possible retrial. But get this, ladies and gentlemen, uh, apparently the prosecutors, again, headed up by uh, the daughter of Jim Comey, and also uh, the mother of the former head um, um, head assistant to uh, to uh, governor uh, former governor Cuomo, uh, that prosecutorial team want to throw out the perjury charges because let's not forget she's got two charges of perjury against her in order for them to not have a mistrial. Like, I mean, I don't know. Uh, what, what do you guys think that that's a better deal? An offer made to drop perjury charges in Ghislaine Maxwell case. Uh, it says, prosecutors say the U.S. government will agree to drop pending perjury charges against British socialite Ghislaine Maxwell if her sex trafficking case goes to sentencing later this year. The offer was made in a letter to a judge late Monday that was filed jointly by the prosecutors and Maxwell's attorney in federal court in Manhattan. Uh, The defense countered by asking that questions uh, about the perjury charges be put off until the judge rules on its request for a new trial. So uh, now they are in limbo, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, The shadow of Epstein continues... But I just thought I would point that out. I think, man, the the wheeling and the dealing that these people make, um, I think, is just crazy. Um, uh, the other the other tidbit of information coming out of there is that uh, the the main juror who talked about his uh, sexual abuse um, has asked to view the questionnaire. Uh, where he may have lied. And if it, it, it turns out, in fact, that he did falsely state uh, whether or not he'd been abused, 
in his life sexually, that is really what would provoke the mistrial and possible retrial of Ghislaine Maxwell. So the case continues, ladies and gentlemen. All right, guys, we are out of time. Thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight here at the C Report on Mr. C TV at the Mr. C channel, uh, depending on what platform you're watching us. Uh, thank you for the engaging uh, uh, commentary and uh, participation in tonight's show, as well as thank you all for the donations that uh, you've given to, uh, to uh, the show tonight. Uh, most definitely appreciate your support. Um, don't forget, you can also catch the Sea Report via podcast uh, by going to anchor.fm slash the Sea Report. You can uh, subscribe for free on any of the major podcast platforms out there in the interwebs. Um, or if you'd like to subscribe with a, a donation, you may as well over at anchor.fm slash the Sea Report. Every little bit helps. Uh, to my friends over there at the Foxhole and Pill.net, you guys have a wonderful night. Um, let me see. Where do we release the scratching under this new system? Oh, I found it. Okay. Excellent. Uh, scratching has been released. Um, um, and with that said, ladies and gentlemen, we will be back tomorrow with uh, more headlines, more current events, more amateur analysis from this small potatoes uh, host here. Um, and I thank you all again for your attendance and uh, for your spirit in being with us tonight. Deplora Laura, it's good to see you, girl. Where you been? Good to see you. Good to see you. All right, guys, y'all have a great night. Uh, you know, uh, uh, be good, whatever it is you're up to for the rest of the night. I might be a lurking over at the foxhole tonight. You might see me out and about. Uh, but till then, ladies and gentlemen, as always, have a, uh, have a good night. Be safe, be blessed, and God bless America. We will see you tomorrow.